Women, we do better anyway by ourselves. And like, 100%. I can be perfectly happy. I can have all of the orgasms with just me on the bed with the cats. Not using the cats, but just, just nearby. We get it. I understand. <laughs> I personally kick them off, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something Victorian about it, man. <laughs> Okay, let's see. I'm recording. You're recording. I'm recording. We're all recording. Oh, oh boy. Sorry. What? I just opened a can. I didn't hear it. I was trying to be quiet, but it was a loud one. It's never quiet when you want it to be. Nothing ever is. <laughs> you don't want your stomach to rumble in a crowded place and it's <laughs> quiet and then it goes then it goes wait shit oh. I had something to tell you oh no what I don't know immediately I had something to tell you and now I've forgotten was but it about Ben and Jen playing pickleball no he played see pickleball in jeans no which <laughs> I was like I was in I wasn't on board with it, you know? Like, I, I really stick up no, for I ben thought he was and... wearing flowy palazzo pants to the white party they went to in the Hamptons. And for one second, I was like, she's really done something to him. She's really been able to change his entire vibe. I saw that. But then it turns out he was just no, he was wearing just white, white pants in, white in pants. front of something flowy. I think it was her. I think she was the flowy thing. Probably. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, um, pickleball in jeans, though. I feel like that's, uh, I don't know. It's sort of, I get freaked out when people do exercise in jeans. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Well, here's what I'll say. I, I've been thinking recently I should start, I should learn how to play pickleball. Finally. You think so? I don't know. Just like, here's the deal. I went to the tennis club here, you know, that I still belong to because I don't want to give up the membership because there's like a 10-year waiting list. Oh, God. I have like a... Who would even remember they wanted to play tennis 10 years later? I don't know. I mean, people remember. It's It can't be 10 years. That's what they say, but it can't be that long. I b Listen, I believe it, though. In my old town, there was like a seven-year wait for like a parking space at the train. Well, here's the thing. I got in to the tennis club pre-pandemic. And then right. what happened was after the pandemic, there was like a bunch of people were trying to get, people decided that was, that they wanted to become members of the club because you could work out outside safely. You know what I mean? Right, it, and right. Then pickle, and then the explosion of America's fastest growing sport, pickleball. For more on that, guys, listen to the deep dive um, with our friends or or listen to the Casey Wilson. I, just listen to those guys because I don't. We don't know pickleball, and they we do, don't know pickleball. They seem to do a lot of it. They they look cute. They're doing all kinds of things in the also, pickleball I know, space. I know about pickleball from Natalie. She runs Mayday Rescue, which Emily Beebe is on the board of. Natalie mm -hmm. is an avid pickleball player. I also I don't, listen. The chances the, are. You listening at home, play pickleball. I'm just going to say it. It's that I'm gonna popular. Say, I'm going to say, much like 
Statistically speaking, I bet you, I bet you one of every three listeners plays pickleball. <laughs> Maybe. That's what I bet. I learned the most about pickleball from uh, Costco magazine. The, okay, well, first of all, I didn't know they had a magazine. Well, it's it's like, you know, let's be honest. It's like marketing materials disguised as a magazine. Well, those are their best magazines. But let's also be honest. Sky it's Mall. It's true. It's true. And they did recently, a couple months ago, I felt like had a big article about pickleball. And that's where I learned how popular pickleball is and who it was invented by America's and how long fastest it's fastest growing sport. Fastest growing sport. I don't remember any of the details, but I did learn them briefly uh, as I was reading the article and immediately forgot them. I took my, my parents were in town this past weekend mm-hmm. for Cricket's birthday and the birth of America, I suppose. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, I didn't even know you dropped that stuff off at my house. When did you come here? Oh, I... And how did I not see you? And what happened? And where are you? And what's <laughs> going on? I'm just, I I'm so confused about dropped so many it things. on the day that you were having Cricket's little swimming thing. And um, it was like, it was, I think, like 15 minutes before the party was starting. And... Mm. um. Was I, I rang, running around? You were probably running around. I thought that you were probably busy doing something. I rang the doorbell. I dropped things off with Mark. Um, mm-hmm. to cl- <laughs> Just to clarify to everyone, busy, I had to go to New York City because um, busy and I had like a little meeting. And it was actually kind of funny because it was like such a rigmarole to get to New York City. Mm-hmm. And then the meeting itself was like a one hour. And then... I, oh my God, we have so much to catch up on. So, <laughs> so much, much to catch, catch up, up on. on. But Busy very graciously was like, I didn't have a flight until the next day. And Busy very graciously was like, you can stay at my place. And then we... Well, I wanted you to stay with me. Yes, which was so nice of you and so generous. But then um, we were like, you had a full day after the meeting. And so I was like, I'm just going to go do the my Tori thing. Amos concert that night. Yeah, Tori Amos. You had like a, a medical appointment, all kinds of things. Very busy. And so we were like, that's okay. We'll just hang out tomorrow before our flights. Mm-hmm. And, and then, can and I then, tell you what happened from my perspective? <laughs> yes. Okay. So guys, from my perspective, here's what happened. I, first of all, I don't, you know, we're st- we're still in like immediate post-pandemic times, I would say. Yes. So like you're not back to your usual, is anyone, will we ever be again? No. But, okay, pre-pandemic, I did not live in New York City. I lived in Los Angeles, California. You know this because you listen to the podcast. You remember when I accidentally moved to New York. <laughs> Yeah, month two of the podcast of this very podcast. <laughs> when all of a sudden I was like, I think um we're not gonna go back ever. <laughs> anyway, so so here's what happened. I in my head, I thought I had bought a round trip ticket from LA to New York and back to LA. In actuality. You get over here right now. Be cool. Be cool. What I had done 
was I had bought a round trip ticket from New York to Los Angeles back to New York, which I used both legs of. Gotcha. I flew to LA and then I flew back to New York. (laughs) But you needed a third leg. (laughs) I needed to come back to LA. (laughs) And not only, okay, went to, it was such a full day. That day was such a full day. Casey and I both sort of moving heaven and earth to have a meeting that was important for us to have that we're really excited about telling you guys about what it's going to be in the near future where I think we're going to get to talk about it. I really do. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so too. And it sounds like it's like we're going to be able to talk about it in the near future. And I think you guys will be excited. Oh my God, you guys, I'm so sorry. But we had like a very full day. I needed Mm -hmm. to get my boob thing checked out. And then I had energy healing where I had a realization about necklaces. I talked about it on my Instagram stories last night. Oh, did you? I didn't see it. Wait, did it have something to do with what my theory about your necklaces? I'm going to stop wearing them for a while. Okay, interesting. I'm feeling like my neck needs to be open. (laughs) Oh, interesting, interesting. like thyroid, I don't know. There's just something. There's energetically, there's something to it. I feel like no, I was. No, like, I think that's. I think that's a really big thing. I always thought that it was your biological instinct to put heaviness around your neck because it uh, stimulates your vagus nerve. Well, that's possible, but also I think that I was like protecting my neck in some way. Yeah. Or my, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I need it to like heal more. I gotcha. Yeah, you got to let it rest. And I need it to like rest. So I had that realization. And so I kind of have stopped wearing necklaces, which is Uh, wild. That's real. That's wild because that's like a huge part of like your daily, your daily dressing, your daily. And also maybe it, maybe it was sort of like armor a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a lot of theories. I have like, Okay, I I think that it's possible that you were, like, putting a weight on your vagus nerve, almost like a weighted blanket, to, like, mm-hmm. bring you comfort, a.k.a. armor. You saying that you're protecting your neck makes so much sense. I also think that sometimes—have you ever read the short story Harrison Bergeron? Yes, but not in so long. Yeah, I mean, probably not since, like, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, that's what I mean. But— I, I also it. think that, uh, so the story of Harrison Bergeron is in like this futuristic dystopian society where they try to make everyone so equal that it's basically right. like people who are strong have to have have to have weights attached to their body and people that are attractive mm-hmm. have to like wear a clown nose or whatever, you know, like it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting story, but. I often think that we as women Harrison Berger on ourselves a lot. Because Motherfucker, we do- put it on a shirt. Do not Harrison Berger on yourself. <laughs> because there's things that we I'm do to you. make ourselves feel good. Like yeah. if putting on makeup makes you feel great, that's amazing. If wearing uh, like a really tight shimmy dress makes you feel great. That's amazing. But then sometimes I do something that I think makes myself feel amazing and then, like, I can't wait to rip it off myself. And then I'm like, mm. oh, it doesn't it, – That I'm just, like, I'm giving myself an impediment, you know? Right. Like, I'm making life harder on myself. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I wonder if that is the deal with, like, putting on tons of jewelry. Um, if it's just, like – if it's kind of like a ritual, but then it becomes, like, a burden. 
Well, we could unpack it more, but let's for the <laughs> yeah for the intents purposes and purposes of, of this okay, story. Yes, we'll move forward to what happened. So yes, so my boob check, my doctor did the ultra did the I had a mammogram and then did the ultrasound and went to the areas where the doctor here in Los Angeles and that like electronic ultrasound machine thing that I did had seen something that they thought needed to be biopsied. Right. And my doctor was like, um, that's the shadow of your areola. That's not, <laughs> that's not a mass. Like that's not your, this, that's not something that I would stick a needle into. I do love the phrase, the shadow of your areola. Well, like, that's I a chapter. That's- Believe yeah. me, I've already written it the fuck down. <laughs> anyway, the shadow of your area. There's no perfect. There's no perfect answer for you and the shadow of my areola. Anyway, it's my my um my father my father's high school uh like slogan or whatever was like in the shadow of Mount Fuji <laughs> in Japan, <laughs> and so that's <laughs> well, the shadow of my areola um is not a mass that needs to be biopsied. But anyway. Thank goodness. But she was like, but just so you know, guys, when we talk about second and third opinions, they had, I waited and had another partner at the, another doctor come in. Yeah. Do the same, do her examination on me. And she was like, what is this? I think that's the shadow of your areola. (laughs) She's like, that's not a mass. And, Anyway, so biopsy avoided. She also said, my doctor, shout out to my doctor. I love her. Dr. Barron. Um, she also said, like, just for peace of mind, we can schedule you in six months. Yeah. But, which, I, which I'll do and go back and have it ultrasounded in six months. But she's like, I'm telling you. This is, nothing. Both of us are saying that it's a shadow. Anyway. On to energy healing. Necklaces. Ran home. Saw you for two seconds. Right. Jumped in As the shower. You were, yeah. You were Jen getting ready to go to Tori. Time to go. Yeah. Went to Tori Emos. Had truly the strongest martini at dinner. Jen and I both. <laughs> that So much so that when she, the waiter came by and was like another round. And Jen and I not once to turn down the second martini. Jen was like, absolutely not. And then I was like, maybe. And she looked at me and she was like, you want to remember Tori. You can't can't have another one. And I was like, got it. Okay, great. Great advice. Sometimes you got to do that for your friends, guys. Yeah. Anyway, she was right. That was a strong martini. But then I just, we stopped drinking because we wanted to just be present for Tor. And met my friend Chloe, um... Goslin, who makes beautiful shoes, makes a lot of shoes that Tori wears, but she was very, very quick to point out not the shoes Tori was wearing when she fell and broke her ankle oh. her foot. Because Tori had fallen a couple days earlier and broken her foot. Oh my gosh. Because she tripped on her shoe that Chloe Goslin did not make. Okay. It's another we won't designer. Say who, we won't I, say, I won't who, say did who did make it. Yeah. Anyway, Chloe Goslin is so. French and adorable, like just perfect. Like she's just one of those. And I'm wearing my tiny beret, you know? Of and here course, I am your new with this, signature. Ugh, the signature tiny beret. Well, you know, maybe I've given up the necklaces in, but I've, but I've gotten the beret. Yeah. 
If you so, start to wear more than one beret, I'm going to cut you off. Like at one time. We even discussed the tiny beret on this. We haven't because... Oh, my we, God. Because we're talking about when we last saw each other and you got the tiny beret, like... When I was in That's right. New York. Yeah. But everybody's seen the tiny beret on your Instagram. It's so I would fabulous. Hope. Yeah. I would hope. I would hope. And also, guys, don't worry about it. We're going to look, we're going to manufacture it ourselves. <laughs> I, I, I want to tell, I'm okay, so wait, let me just finish this. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you the story of the tiny beret. Okay. So anyway, Tori was incredible. After we went up, we talked to Tori. Amazing. You know, the first time I met Tori Most, I think I've told this story maybe on this podcast. Let me just maybe. retell it. Just retell it. So I've long loved Tori Most, as you well know. Yes. Those of you who pay attention to my musical loves. <laughs> and uh, and I wrote about it in my book. And Little Earthquakes, Under the Pink, those two albums really got me through some fucking tough teenage years. Yeah. As they did for so many people who yes. were so lucky that she was like making the kind of music that she was making in yes. that era, in that time. You know, she was really among, saying something. She was saying something and it, she was surrounded by a lot of toxic masculinity and a lot mm. of fucking alt rock situations and there she is on her like major label debut acoustically I mean acapella singing a song about her rape right right you know yeah it's a pretty profound thing like truly when you think about it like I don't know if artists today if there are any artists today that would be able to do the kind of that, that, I mean, almost like performance art piece on a major label. Right. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably not. No. On their debut, like right. major label debut. Right. Anyway, badass for Emos. And actually, my friend Kate and I went to... The, I think it was the Under the Pink tour together in Arizona mm -hmm. at the Symphony Hall. Yeah. And there were two shows. They added a late show. So mm -hmm. it was like a 7 p.m. and like a 10 p.m. And we went, we had tickets to the early show. And I remember the early show, like our seats were fine. Like not great, but fine. And then we just talked about this story. We just were reminiscing when I, the day I got the tiny beret. <laughs> and after the show, we like went out into the, I don't know, courtyard where the, where the symphony hall was. People are milling about because they had to clear out the entire hall and then load everybody back in for the second right. show, you know? Right. And I was like, I did, we did like, didn't want to go. We didn't want to go home. We didn't want to leave. We wanted to go to the second show and we were like, 15, 16 years old, maybe 16 year, 16, 16 year olds who worked at CPK. Like I, we didn't have money to buy, <laughs> to right. buy another set of tickets. And we were, tr we're tr 
we were just trying to remember how it happened, but there was like this nice security guy who we weren't even like chatting up. Like he just was like, girls, the store is going to open in two seconds. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. And he like opened the door and like walked through it and it was like closing really slowly. Yeah. Like let's just fucking do it. (laughs) And we, we snuck in and then we like just went into the symphony hall and we were kind of like a few rows back, several rows back, like mid section. And the people came and it was their seat. So we like, oh fuck. And we got up and we like, moved forward and then the people came and it was their seats and we're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And I was like, let's just keep going forward. Casey, we sat in the front fucking row of that second show and no one ever came to those seats. (gasps) And we sat in the entire show and it was like so magical and we cried and we like hugged each other and it was just like the most incredible thing. So then I got to meet her when I was in college and I was dating Colin Hanks and yeah. he was a very sweet boyfriend and Tori was coming and playing at the Greek theater. He got tickets and it was before I was on Freaks and Geeks, before he was on Roswell. And he asked his dad's agent, he didn't even like, he, he asked his dad's agent to like hook it up so I could meet her. Oh my gosh. And they did. And he told me on the way to the Greek theater. And I was like, I couldn't, I remember, I remember the fucking Betsy Johnson dress I was wearing. <laughs> I like couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I was like, how do you, I can't, there's no way I can explain to her what she's meant to me. But I've read enough articles to know that so many people like, she means so much to so yeah. many young women, especially. And also, Gay man. Um, <laughs> yes. And also, you know, anyway, people, just people that, right. you know, needed her in, in the moment. And so I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. I had met famous people before, sure. but like Tori Amos is different to me. And so after the show, oh, and I, she had, I had never seen her play Tear in Your Hand live and that was my favorite uh, song. I think I named a chapter in my book, Tear in Your Hand. I think. I don't probably. know. Because, yeah, I don't know. You, you tell us. You tell us. I, I haven't read that shit in years. Anyway. Um, and I was like dying for her to play it. Yeah. And she did two encores. And like the second time she came out, and the Greek theater, if you guys ever get a chance... If you're not, if you don't live in Los Angeles, but you ever get a chance to go to the Greek theater in Los Angeles to see a show, I highly recommend it. It is, now I have not been to the Red Rocks in Colorado, which is on my list, yes. but it is, I think, my favorite concert venue of all time, the Greek theater. Oh. It's really special. Have you been that's there? saying something. I've never been. Are you kidding? No, because again, like my whole life in LA has been pandemic. It's been like a a very hard job immediately followed by pandemic. You got to do that next in this next year of your life. I do not need to go. I feel so lucky. I have been to um, the Hollywood Bowl, which is incredible. Our friend Sarah Thayer has has taken me to see. 
Nile Rodgers and Sheik, I believe, at the Hollywood Bowl. Is that what we so went cool. to see? Maybe, but it was so cool. Yeah, and we went to see also Sing Along, Sound of Music there. Oh, well, so, that's iconic. Yeah, Super fun. So I feel very lucky, but yes, I do definitely want to go see something at the Greek now that, you know. I don't know. No. <laughs> it's it's magical. It's magical. Well, Tori is playing at the Greek on the 21st of this month. I Just saw FYI. that. And by the way, someone in our Facebook group, one of our Facebook friends, had an extra ticket that she was offering to take like another bestie, a podcast listener, to go. So I have to go back and see if someone's going with her. I think that would be amazing. Why don't you go? I mean, I thought about it, and then I was <laughs> like, I just don't know— what? Why not? I don't know what I'm going to be doing at that time. I don't know. There was it's I like did a few weeks. I looked at my calendar and there was something on my calendar. I think. Yeah. You now. Okay. Well, I might be there. Just FYI. Oh. She, she 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 did invite me. So <gasps> I just exciting. I do want to say, but anyway, so Colin took me backstage, and it was just it wasn't like I was sort of expecting it to be like a line of people a line of people you get your, you know, and yeah. you can meet her and like take a, a picture or whatever. Greet, yeah. No, like they hooked it up so that they just took us to her dressing room. Amazing. And we walked in and I was like, there's no words. Like I can't, no words are coming out of my mouth. I'm an idiot. Like I can't <laughs> say a thing. <laughs> and sweet Colin who I don't think I need to tell you this, as a 19-year-old boy, wasn't a huge Tori Amos fan. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Straight, right. hetero, yeah. cis boy. Wasn't super familiar with Tor. Yeah. He, but he did, like, the most incredible job of helping me, like, facilitate Aww. a conversation with her. By saying, you know, by saying, like, busy seeing so many shows. Oh, I didn't even get to the part where, okay, the second encore comes out, she comes out, and they she plays Tear in Your Hand. And you I, like, your mind. hysterically yeah. crying, lose my mind. <laughs> so, like, I'm sort of a mess, not able to talk. Colin's trying to facilitate, and he says, Busy's actually seen you several times um, in Arizona, and, uh, you know, where she is from, and... But she was really excited tonight because you played one of her favorite songs. What was the song? Busy? Like, you know, like he's like, oh. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, I actually have always wanted to see you play um Tear in Your Hand and I never had. And she goes, Oh, that was you. I we weren't even supposed to play that song tonight. And I just knew I had to play it for someone. It must have oh. been you. Oh. Anyway, that is fully 23 years ago, you guys. Yeah. I since then have met her a couple times and then had the opportunity during the pandemic to interview her. Yes. I was, I was asked by her management to do a Q and a for the release of her book that came out, but then the pandemic happened and we had to do it on zoom. And I right. was, so bummed because right. I was so excited to do it in person, but obviously it is what it is. Right. But the but that QA was incredible and and really so like like felt like like the culmination of my Tory fandom. Right. 
just so you know, guys, I've seen her. I, I've lost track of how many times, but it's like over, I'm sorry. It's like over 15 times in concert. Yeah, she's your all Taylor over the Swift. world. I've seen her. Yes, I've seen her all over the world. I've seen her in London. Okay. The only other place I've seen her other than America is in London. But <laughs> I've seen her many places in America. That's anyway, around the world. It is around the world. Anyway, so the, the Q&A was amazing. And she was like, you know, busy next time. I play when this is all over. You have to come, please. You have to come and be my guest, and we'll have a proper hello. And I was like, okay, again. But Aww. she knew that we had met before. Yeah, yeah. Like she remembers. Yeah, she had remembered all of the times she was like, "I know you." Hello. Yeah, she's remarkable. She's remarkable. Yeah. So anyway, the last time she played in New York, I had COVID, and I got. <laughs> I couldn't go. (laughs) It was the only time I had COVID. So anyway, this time I was super excited. I emailed Chloe, put me in touch with her manager because I couldn't find the information that I had had and uh, emailed and they're like, Tori's so excited that you're coming. And I brought Jen with me. Stop. Gina. Hey, hey. You lost your privileges. Um. So we're racing to go get food to go then go to the show. Mm-hmm. I saw you for like two seconds post meeting right. and boobs and energy healing. And then I had to shower really fast because it's so fucking hot in New York. Jen and I get into a car and we're on our way there. And I was like, ah, I should have brought one of my pig pots for her. I should have, I should have brought her one. And she's like, oh, honey, she would have loved it. And I was like, I know. Ugh, I just feel like I should have brought her a gift because this is the first time I've seen her since, since I did that QA for her. And like, I just, I should have brought her something, maybe like a bottle of wine or something. And she's like, well, I mean, you're, how would you even get it to her? And I was like, oh, because we're going to go meet meet her after the show. And Jen was like, I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no. Oh, shit. Did I not tell you this part? That like, we're going to go back and talk to her Amazing. after the show. And Jen, like in the back of the cab, lost her shit. Aww. And was like, honey, I would have fucking done the hair. I would have done my hair and not worn a baseball cap if you had told me I was meeting Tori. And then Jen told this incredible story about how Scarlet's Walk, one of Tori's albums, came out <laughs> the summer that Jen came out. Right. And um, and that was a really difficult time for her because of her family's evangelical religious belief system yeah, and um, how she would listen to Scarlet's Walk on repeat and how it really like got, like the music really got her through. There is something about the way that Tori Emos sings that you feel, especially when you're going through a thing, like you feel like she's singing to you, for you. She talks about when we did the Q&A, she talks about how you know, the songs come through her. She feels like through her muses, through these these girls that show up and they write this music. And it's only hers for that moment. And then it like transforms and becomes something completely different because it becomes mine and yours and right. Jen's and whoever needs it, you know? And I just love that. Like, I love that idea sort of just theoretically about her music. So, anyway, here's the thing. We get there, 
<laughs> and Chloe was like, you missed a really great show last night. And she names like five songs that I was like, I'm dying to hear all of those songs. Um, I can't believe she fucking played them the night before. Okay, whatever. When I tell you she played the deepest cuts from the album Scarlet's Walk, which, uh, P.S., I have like, I mean, we all know sort of fairy tale, like, because that was like a hit. Yeah. You know? You guys yeah. know that song, right? Anyway, but, and she started the show with that, Aww. which is incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. I know. So then afterwards, so we go up to, to say hi to Tor. Sad I didn't bring a pig for her. I think she really would have loved it. Maybe the Greek. Maybe, maybe at, at the, the yeah, in LA. Um, and we're chatting a bit, and Jen is like fully pulling a 19 year old Busy Phillips. And she's like, <laughs> she can't talk. Like, she, it yeah. was like, it was so cute to see too, because Aww. I recognized it. And I, so then like Tori and I were catching up a little bit. And then I was like, oh, and Tori, you know, Tori, this is my brilliant, this is my friend Jen Tullock. She's like, she's a brilliant actor. And also you're very important to her because you have a big part in one of your albums has a very big part in her coming out story. And Jen was like, yes, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> like that's right. That is what, that is true. And then, you know, was able to find the words and yeah. say, tell Tori essentially the, what she had told me over dinner and the strongest martini known to man. And Tori, like, <laughs> she put her hand on Jen's arm. Oh no, I'm going to cry. And she's like, I'm so happy I could be there for you. Aww. And now you're free. Aww. And like, and like really incredible. Like the connection that this, this artist is able to have and also retain that the importance isn't lost on her. Right. And like, that it means something, you know? Right. Well, that's the beauty of honesty, right? Because she, Tori Amos, like, and I, I was a huge fan too um, In when I was a teenager as well. Tori Amos has never done anything according to any rule book. She's never done anything that anyone was like, I think you should do this. I think you should look this way. I think you should behave this way. Never did a thing that anyone asked. She just was like, I'm going to sit at a piano and like tell the truth. And she knew that that was gonna like reach right into people and that they would understand it in a way that the business would never understand. And she was willing to like risk everything. She was willing to risk not being a success, but she was a success and a phenomenon because she knew that like people would just be touched by the truth. Mm. It's amazing. That's it is besides like, being like a musical talent, which she absolutely is she's truly a musical genius but like being honest and tapping into that honesty is also like a whole separate talent that not everybody has 
And that's why she's remarkable. So it doesn't surprise me. Of course, she knew just what to say to Jen because she knows just what to say in her songs. You know, yeah. she's she's very, very special in that way. It's It was like, I don't know. It was incredible. It was like very moving. And also, I just fucking love her. She's just like yeah. the coolest and the she's best. She's so cool. She's, yes. I just always like, loved her like smirk. Like, I, I love her little... She straddles the fucking piano bench yes. and, like, plays it like she's fucking it. <laughs> and Jen, meanwhile, just FYI, guys, is in this moment jet-lagged from having been in Morocco, Tangier. Wow. Having been in Tangier okay. for a week doing right. a job. And, like, this musical theater ran, like, wild musical theater thing that she did with Darren Chris in Tangier. Oh, so cool. So cool and sounded totally wild. Anyway, so she's jet lagged, but a friend of ours, Benj Pasek, who's a musical person, um, composer, musical, what is he? What is he? He's a musician. He's like, he he wrote like all the music for La La Land yeah. and uh, the movie that Jen is in, Spirited, so that she's worked with him before. Oh, okay, yeah. But anyway, he was like, earlier in that night was like, hey, I'm having this thing at my apartment. You guys should come. I was like, we're going to Tori Amos. And he's like, we'll come after. And so then we were all, we were so like buzzed from the tour. Right. T-O-R, not T-O-U-R. <laughs> we were so buzzed from Tori that I was like, I think we can still go out. And she's like, me too. So then we went to Benja's and the party that he had been having was like very much winding down, but it sounded really interesting. It was like basically like a salon of people discussing life. Yes. Connection. And But there were like a handful of people still there. And then we got into like a super deep conversations with people about like religion and identity and life and the moments that you feel like you're living in a movie. And it was really fascinating. And for the first time ever in my life, I was the oldest person in the room <gasps> by years. Isn't that wild? Honey, it <laughs> happens fast. It and does. And it happens quietly. I remember when I worked at The Late Show with David Letterman, I was turning 22 because I started when I was 21 and it was my 22nd birthday. And everybody was making such a huge deal out of the fact that I was only 22. And uh, and then <laughs> this producer, Daniel Kellison, who you probably know, I'm sure you've run into him over the years, uh, he was like, just really enjoy being 22 because before you know it, you will be the oldest person in the room and not the youngest person in the room. And it goes by so fucking fast. And I remember laughing because he was probably all of 28 when he was telling me this. Like ludicrous, dude. Yes. That's ludicrous. Yeah. Yes. But well, anyway, you were the oldest person. Years old, the I thought the next youngest people were Benj and Jen. Yeah. At 39. Okay. Well, All is right. Benj even 39? He might be 38. Anyway, Jen turned 40 yesterday. So, yeah. But it was like, I was truly like, oh my God, this is actually my nightmare in so many ways. And also, it's okay. But also, <laughs> yeah. it's my fucking nightmare. 
And also, I look great because I got this tiny beret on. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm wearing a sheer dress with just fucking underwear, and I'm feeling okay about things. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was super fun, like, conversation. It was just really wild and unexpected. Like, it was just like one of those nights, you know? Yeah. And then I went home, and you were already asleep because it was yeah. like almost, it was like 1.30 in the morning. Right. And uh, Mark had texted me multiple times, like, wait, what time is your flight tomorrow? I don't, did you tell me? I don't remember. I want to tell the kids. Your parents are coming into town. I want to figure out dinner. Like, a, a, a barrage of questions. And I was like, what time is my fucking flight tomorrow? I think it's like, I think I'm getting in at like, I should be getting in at like six or seven. And that, guys, is when I realized (laughs) that not only was my flight not, there was no flight for me. And not only that, there were no flights because guess what I forgot? It was a fucking holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. I thought the only holiday was Mark and Cricket's birthdays. (laughs) And then here I am and I'm like, why are all these flights sold out? So my choices were 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Yeah. Or 9 p.m. Right. Getting in the next day, essentially. But my parents are driving out from Arizona with my niece for Cricket's birthday. They're, if I know them, I mean, there's a chance they roll in at 10 a.m. There's a chance (laughs) they roll in at 4 p.m. There's a chance they roll in at 7 p.m. We don't know. Anywhere. But I need to be there. Right. It's two in the morning at this point. <laughs> There's one seat left on the 8 a.m. Yeah. I was texting with a friend of mine, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. You have to help me. <laughs> I'm like really bad at this shit, at booking travel. Yeah. My computer battery was at like 4%. Oh, my God. But it's the only thing that I have my passwords on. Like, they're not on my phone because I'm afraid that someone's going to try to um, drug me and then use my (laughs) face ID and, like, steal all my information. These are valid fears. By the way, guys, I'm just going to say this to you. Don't use fucking face ID for your bank account information and all your credit cards and shit because literally that was what was happening last summer in New York City was people were getting drugged and then, like— They're using their face ID and draining their bank account. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. Okay, so so my computer's at like 3%. Well, you know I got the ticket, guys. I got the ticket, but needless (laughs) to say, I was very stressed about the whole situation. Yeah. And at this point, it's 2.30 in the morning. I have an 8 a.m. flight, which means I have to leave for the airport at 6 a.m., no later than 6 a.m. I need to be in a car at 6 a.m. Right. So I have to wake up at 5.30-ish. I forgot everything that I was supposed to bring back. Everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I really, I had a list of things. I woke up expecting like, oh, we'll get brunch and then we'll probably head to the airport together because our flights are probably near each other or whatever. Um, but what I had forgotten is that even when I had gotten my ticket a week prior, I picked out a flight before we sat down to do the podcast and then 
by the time we were finished, there was only one terrible flight left, and it wasn't the one that I had originally. So even last week, you wouldn't have had a prayer getting uh, a ticket on on the flight that you wanted. But anyway, so I woke up to a text from Busy being like, you're not going to believe this, but you'll also absolutely believe this. I'm already on a plane. I already had to go back. And I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) No worries. Um, So then, yeah, then I just had to uh, get myself out to the airport, um, which I was like, no problem. I'll take an Uber. Ubers were like $175 to get to the airport. And I was like, no, I'm t- this bitch is taking the subway. She's taking the subway. So I did that. But it w- all in all, I knew how busy it was when I sat down for my flight back to LA. And they offered, they said they were overbooked and they offered $1,000 for anyone to fly at a later time. And I was like... I just, I don't know. I I just didn't even react because I never know how to react to that. And within minutes, they were like, we're, we're offering $2,000 for anyone. And I was like, I'll take that fucking $2,000. But I just couldn't physically move fast enough. Like, people were ready to pounce on that. That is probably, like, a money-earning strategy that people have is, like, book on a holiday and then be ready to pounce when they offer money to not take the flight. Well, it's so funny because my friend Alan was flying to New York the day that, on Friday, the day that we were flying back. Mm -hmm. And he was flying there that day because he was supposed to fly there two days earlier, the day you were flying. Yeah. And he took, were you guys on the same flight? Maybe. Maybe. He got like $1,700, $1,800 or something like that. He was like, this is the greatest day of my life. Yeah. That's amazing. Wait. But I need to talk about my flight out. Oh, my yeah, flight. you do. Cowboy hat? <laughs> we need to talk about cowboy hat. Okay, guys, buckle in. Because <laughs> I know the story, but you don't yet. I had to relay the story to Busy. But okay, so flying from LA to New York to meet Busy, it was already like cutting it close because as we said, like Busy had a really full day of appointments. So we had like a, a small window for when our meeting could even happen. And luckily the people that we're meeting with are super casual and accommodating. And so we love them. Not and they ca- were like, I wouldn't say casual. No, but, but you know I what I mean? They were accommodating like, and excited to Make it work. Yes. But if, like, also t- assuring me if I'm 15 minutes late because I'm rushing from the airport, it's not going to be a big deal. So anyway. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, super, they're like chill. I was yes. going to chill. Super chill. Yeah. And um, always about not worrying. So, uh, so it was cutting it kind of close because I was taking a flight that had a connection in Detroit and then... Um, the flight had already been delayed, and then it was delayed again. And so I was starting to get nervous that I was going to miss my connection in Detroit. And then the it was landing in New York City so close to, like, when I just had to get in a car and go right to the meeting to be able to make it work with everyone's schedule. So I was worried that, A, I was going to miss my connection, and B, that even if I landed on time, I would still be kind of pushing it to get to the meeting. So anyway, 
I'm sitting waiting in the airport and uh first of all, there's some type of band of musicians there, not like a rock and roll band. They're like professional adult musicians that play like brass and woodwind instruments. I could just tell. And there was some type of like a band manager that was going around making sure everyone I really was like love this. I really love <laughs> Everyone was where they were supposed to be. And so they announced that the flight's going to be late um, because the pilot's not there yet. And then they start, because it's like holiday time, they start doing that thing. We'll give you $500. We're overbooked. And like a couple of the guys in the band were like, oh, I might do that. Like I might... I might do that. And then it went up to like $800 and the it was very much more attractive to these guys in the band. And so one of the guys was like, I'm going to do that and I'm just going to take a flight tomorrow and I'll get there in time for rehearsal. But then like another, the manager guy was like, you can't because like, there's no guarantee that you'll get there in time. And then he was like, okay, so then I'll like miss rehearsal or whatever. And the, the manager guy was like, well then like, I can't guarantee that you'll, be paid for the gig if you miss the rehearsal. And the guy was like, well, that's okay because $800 is more than this gig pays. More than the gig, guys. More than the gig. And so... Which, by the way, I'm like obsessed with him doing the math that quickly <laughs> and being like, yeah, no shit, dude. But you know what? That's Doesn't fine. matter. Yeah, Doesn't it's fine. Matter. So this, this band manager had a mutiny on his hands. Um, in the end... One uh, only one of the two guys ended up taking the cash, and he was like, "Yeah, if I get fired from the gig, no big, because I have you know eight hundred dollars." So I thought that was kind of funny, and it was just like kind of funny energy. Then we get on the flight, um, almost two hours late at that point, and the pilot gets on the mic and he's like, "Everybody, thanks for flying with us. Apologies for the delay. It's one hundred percent because of me." He was like, "I was flying in from a." Uh, another location. I was commuting in from another location. And I don't know what happened at that airport, but it was a disaster. And I was just like, what? what the fuck saying? is happening? Don't say this because you're also like implicating your own airline. It's not a good look. Like just whatever. We're all on the plane. So that further contributed to the chaotic energy. But those two things were nothing compared to it's a red eye, you know? So, like, people are getting on. They're all, like, they already have their, like, blindfolds that they're going to, like, pull down. Or their Their eye shades. <laughs> their eye masks. Eye masks, yes. I think of them as blindfolds because I like to play pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> but everyone else wears a little, they call them eye masks. So, everyone has their, their eye sleep, masks. Sleep Sleep masks. masks. And uh, they're all getting ready to go to sleep. But I have a really hard time sleeping on a plane, but I was like, I'm going to have to sleep on this on this flight. So this group of rowdy guys troops on to the plane, and they're so loud, and they're obviously drunk. And this one guy— Is there anything fucking worse? I'm sorry. So It's so bad. I'm just like, don't get on a plane drunk. You know what I mean? Like, do anything else, but don't get on a plane drunk, you know? Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it. Your flight better be under three hours. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be fucking drunk on a plane, right. here are the here are the parameters. Your flight is under three hours, and you're going to a vacation destination, like right. Cabo San Lucas. Yeah, not Detroit. You're going to Las Vegas. You're going to 
I don't fucking know, a vacation destination. <laughs> yes. And the flight has to be under three hours. Like party vibes. Everybody has to be in a party mood. Everybody was in the mood to sleep, but this, like, this group gets on. They're all drunk. And so this really tall guy in a, who was wearing a cowboy hat, he trips and almost falls down in the aisle. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, here we go. Dollars to donuts. He's sitting right behind me. Of course, he sits right behind me, and I hear him talking to the man next to him, mm-hmm. going, "Where are you going to tonight?" And the guy was like, "I'm going to Detroit." Like everyone on this plane, we're all going to the same place. And he was like, "I feel sorry for you, man, because we've been having a bachelor party and we're wild out." And also, I, I do want to bring up the point that this is like Wednesday night. Yes. Yeah, Wednesday night. So some so, bachelor party on a Wednesday night. But I guess like that's on cheaper. Tuesday, like they were they were coming from a bachelor party that they were celebrating on a Tuesday. Like guys, get your shit together. <laughs> the fuck's wrong so, with you? I can already tell this man wants to murder the guy in the cowboy hat that just sat down As next do to I. him. Yeah, and he's just like, dude, I just want to be peaceful and like rest on this flight. And the woman next to me is also commenting like, God, these guys are rowdy. And I'm like, yeah, of course he's like right behind us too. Um, So we get up in the air, the guy kind of quiets down a little bit, but you know, still, they're still like a little loud for the plane. I am able to like fall asleep the most not deep sleep ever but I'm able to, like, close my eyes and, like, fall into, like, some simulation of sleep, that some simulation of rest. Then I'm suddenly awoken by—and this guy's been, like, kicking the back of my seat the whole time like a child because he's drunk. Um, but then I was awoken by my seat, like, violently shaking. And so, like, I turn around to look, and one of the guys from the bachelor party from another row has gotten up, and he's trying to slap the cowboy hat guy awake. And then what woke me up is the cowboy hat guy did wake up a little bit, and he started slapping the guy in the aisle back and jostling my seat. In the meantime, but then, so I turn around to look at them, and I'm like, like to be like, what the fuck? And that's when I see it is that the yeah. reason that the guy was urgently trying to wake cowboy hat guy up is because when cowboy hat guy fell asleep, he took his cowboy hat off, put it on his lap. And then at some point in his sleep, he barfed all over his cowboy hat and onto the man, the poor man who he was bothering. And so I just heard that man saying, he got that shit all over me. He puked all over me. And so, and then there was like a puke-infused slap fight that woke me up. And then I just had to fly the rest of the way, the other half of the flight to Detroit, like just trying not to smell puke because he just sat there in his own puke. But I saw the cowboy hat and it wasn't great. And it was like one of those things that I wish I hadn't seen because I... (laughs) Like, you can never unsee it. Here, just, here's a simple tip. If you're gonna drink and you're gonna wear a cowboy hat and you're gonna fall asleep while you're drunk with the cowboy hat on your lap, just tip it over so it's a bowl, you know, so that you can puke into it instead of over the top of it. That that right there would have changed his situation to be 100% more positive and my situation and the man next to him's situation. But so anyway, it was like... I don't know what that dude ate. I don't know what 
what uh, bachelor party food he had been eating, but it was just... Oh my God, it was so... I can't even... That to me is... It was such a fucking nightmare. It was gruesome and brutal. And then I was like, I'm going to try to make this connection. And not only am I going to miss the connection, because you know how everybody stands up when the plane lands. And then if you have a connection to make, you can just watch the minutes like ticking away. And I was like, not only am I going to miss it, but I'm going to have this like drunk guy pressing his like pukey front of his body into my back or whatever. But I will say to the credit of that captain who took... Took the blame for the disaster that happened at the other airport. He was like, a bunch of people are late for their connections. Everyone stay sitting and let these people run for their connections, which is what we all did. So I didn't have to deal with the drunk guy being behind me. But it was truly... Sometimes, can I be real? Sometimes I love running for a connection. (laughs) Do you? Like, sometimes nothing makes me feel more alive than running to catch a flight. I was literally, I wasn't the last person. I wasn't the last person, but I was, I was the second to last person. And the last person was like a mom who was breastfeeding at the gate and wanted to be the last person on, like they were ready to close the door. But I did, I, you know where I like to run? I like to run on the people mover because it makes it seem like you're really like hauling ass when you're just running like below average speed. I am. I am. I do. I do. I don't wish it upon myself or anyone. Yeah. But those moments are thrilling. <laughs> they are thrilling. And you, when you have a connection that you might not make because of a snafu. But don't you get, I'm always, here, here's the thing. I'm always like cutting it too close. So it's going to like wreck something if I don't make it. So I, I find it more nauseating mm. than thrilling. I could have puked myself, but. I think it's thrilling, like, after the fact. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in yeah. retrospect. Like, as I'm yeah. thinking about the times when I've run for connections. Yes. In retrospect, it's thrilling. At the time, yes. it was horrifying, and I hated <laughs> every minute of it. But I'm just oh saying. Oh, my gosh. It did feel alive. Yeah. There were a lot of times when I had to run for a train in Grand Central Station because, like, jobs that I were wor- I was working were so late at night. And, like, if you don't get the last train out of town, you just have to stay in Manhattan where you don't live. <laughs> and so I'm a little bit jaded about running for things because also that last train out of Grand Central Station is also always filled no matter what night. Of course. With super, super drunk yeah, people. 100%. Usually a businessman. 100%. I told you about the time a businessman got, wait, is this too gross? I'm just going to tell it. A businessman got on the train. I was sitting and you know how there's like seats that face each other on Metro North? Like, and it's awkward to like face a stranger, but you do if it's the last seat. You have to. So I was sitting and there's a little more legroom. So sometimes you want to. So I was sitting and there were like a nice couple ran for the train and they were sitting across from me, like making weird eye contact with me, but there were hardly any seats left on the train. And then sure enough, we just see this businessman in like a Brooks Brothers suit, so disheveled, lurching his way down the platform like a fucking zombie in The Walking Dead. And we're like, shoot, he's going to get on this car. This super drunk guy is going to get on this car. And then we were like, he's probably going to puke. He puked right outside the car. 
And then he got on the car and started to like shuffle past us and a poop came out of the leg of his trousers. That's not true. <laughs> it's 100%. That is not true. It's a one, solid? A poop. solid like a ball <laughs> of the poop. Fuck? How? Because he must have shit himself when he was puking outside the train car and it just like tumbled out. He wasn't wearing underwear? He was probably wearing boxer shorts. They don't have anything to... Anyway, everybody... He emptied out an entire train car. He had the train car to himself, obviously, and everybody had to stand up on the last train out of Grand Central Station because some guy pooped his Brooks Brothers and puked his Brooks Brothers and... So he just got a private sleeping car. You know what I'm going to say? I think that guy was having a bad fucking day. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him, but something bad happened to something that guy. Something bad or something great. I don't know. I don't think great. No, I don't think I don't think great ends with you alone vomit and <laughs> poop rolling out of the bottom of your pants. It was a comical, like the poop rolling, like it really did roll. You know what I mean? So like just right there, whatever was happening with his stomach, like it. That's what know. I was going to say. Like he's yeah. like, we he need was, more fiber. We're going to yeah. like, there's, there are things that we can do to help this man. I don't we know. Did, we didn't stay in touch. So I don't know how he is, but I, I bless, bless him. I hope he's okay. But anyway, um, so I'm no stranger to running for transportation or uh, I guess apparently people puking on that transportation or puking etc but that was just the energy and I was like I actually got to the meeting on time so that was great um, but then I was expecting because like there was no cancellation or I didn't miss anything or whatever I was expecting my flight home to be um, to be chaotic or whatever I didn't get the $2,000 but I did get on my flight, and then it was perfectly fine. And the only snafu was that I texted you to pick me up instead of my husband accidentally. And it took me a minute to realize who I was texting. But uh, that's it. But also, you generously loaded your oh yeah backpack. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, because I only had a backpack shit that I forgot I was supposed to bring <laughs> back to LA. For cricket and also Mark, there was like, there was like mail or some shit. I don't, I was so, I was, I was upside down. I did, yeah. like, I was like, what the fuck is that? I didn't, I didn't have a flight booked. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Who is well, she? Well, luckily I had room in my backpack because I didn't bring a lot. I just brought like two outfits and, uh, you know. A hairbrush. I didn't even bring my laptop because I was like, I'm just going to raw dog it with my phone and my By the way, that's watch. such a fucking power move. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed. But as you well know, if I don't have my laptop, I can't sign into anything because right. I don't have the passwords. Right. So, I mean, listen, it could have gone horribly wrong. I could have desperately needed that laptop, but I just was like, no, I'm not going to drag this laptop all around. No. I like leaving what? my laptop. You know, that it is a power move. That's like the one thing where I sort of feel like like really free is when I make a a call to not bring my laptop. I 100% every time regret it. 
every time. Every single, <laughs> there's not been a time that I've left my laptop at home that I haven't regretted it. I'm not I kidding. Bet. I bet. I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. And I always regret it. <laughs> it's always the moment where I'm like, fuck, I really need my laptop to do X, Y, or Z. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, ugh. Business yeah. center, I guess. I don't know. It, Question mark. It could 100% backfire on me at some point, but it does feel good to just be like, no, I'm not bringing it. No. Well, here's the thing. I hope that when I, I, I hope that I figure out um, my life <laughs> in general, but also travel, which is more and more difficult. Like it's, it's a difficult thing to figure out at this point point like yeah I don't know if you guys it's fucking hard and they like it continues to just get more and more difficult um but it is what it is we've <laughs> got to do it I don't know how I don't know the other options I'm yeah. essentially like I'm you know here's what I have learned about myself and travel is that you already know that I'm super casual about travel and I never like book anything until stupidly late. Yep, clearly me too. <laughs> I never check anything because I would be devastated to like not get my bag back, which has happened to so many of my friends this week. Our friend Michelle Collins is like, I don't even know what country she's in, but she's getting ready to go on a cruise for her birthday. And all she has is a t-shirt she got from the drugstore with a pig on it. So, um, you yeah, know. Sounds cute, but like, <laughs> I... um all her gowns, her beautiful gowns <laughs> that she was going to wear to the formal dinners on her birthday cruise. So I'm, I never, I only do carry on and I'm trying to get more sane about what I bring. And then I'm discovering, I used to try to really uh, strictly avoid layovers, but I'm discovering that I actually don't mind a layover because I like to like get out of my seat. And if you have like, a shitty seat situation, if you have a middle seat or whatever, a layover is always a chance to, like, change it up. Like, it's a layover is a chance to have half of your flight Or be you're better. sitting in front of Cowboy Hot Puke Man. <laughs> yes. Like, it, that, bless, bless that it wasn't <laughs> fucking seven hours, six hours. Can you imagine no, no. KN95 mask was going to block the stench of that man's puke for six hours? But it did a pretty good job, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, it was, this is the most gross descriptive thing I'm going to say. Can't. I feel like I noticed the humidity of his puke no. more than the smell of it. Absolutely you know not. what I mean? Please stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the mask protected me from the stench, but it did wake up the lady next to me, and she was like, what's that smell? And I was like, he actually did puke. And she was like, oh, my God. Why? Why? Well, sirs, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but if you are married to or girlfriends with any of those bachelor people, shame on them. <laughs> oh, but I was glad to see you and we had a great meeting and I was so glad for your busy day because you got like good news that you didn't have to get a biopsy and that you I know were, you got to see Tori Amos and I was like So I got like kind of bad news about my thyroid at the beginning of the week. Not bad right. news, but just like but just, Yeah. 
Not the news you were hoping for. Not the news I was hoping for. But then I got the good news about my boob and then Tor. And then Tori was like, come to the creek. It's going to be so good. The show is going to be so good. And I was like, Tori? And she was obsessed with my little beret, my tiny beret. Okay, wait. Let's talk to Kirsten Vangsness. From Criminal Minds. You know her. come back. From Criminal Minds. And from other the things. Adventure Hour. Yes. Um, talk about a person who's honest. Yes. Talk about a person who lives out loud. Yes. Kirsten Vangsness knows no other way. <laughs> you will hear it for yourself. We did this interview last week. Take a listen. Honey love, my honey love. I'll, oh, wait. Am I going to get sued for that? I mean, but it is great. Like, they should do that. Yes, 100%. Listen, here's what I'm going to say. I put the kibosh on, like, Turdish shapewear, even the way I enjoy the way that it sort of smooths the effect that it can have. Yeah. I do not enjoy the gas that it creates. I don't. The squeezing. The I've squeezing had- is too much. I've had people pass out on me, and it turns out it was, like, shapewear-related. Yeah, that's not surprising to me at all. Well, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the thing, guys. It's what you need because it has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. So their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves so you don't look like flat on the sides. Anyway, it's designed to work with your body, not against it. And it's helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering the perfect amount of compression, which I have found to be true myself when wearing it. It is actually the perfect amount It's really comfortable, and, like, for me, anything that, like, digs into your legs or rolls down is just, like, a night ruiner, you know? (laughs) Like, what you can't have something rolling down, guys. No. That is the worst. (laughs) And, ugh, I can't. I just can't with that. Um, Yeah. But you don't have to worry about it rolling down, which is basically unheard of in shapewear, because they have flexible boning that's hidden inside seams. And... They have, like, it lifts your butt. You're, it's a booty lifter. They have boost bands on the back of the thigh, and it gives your butt, like, amazing shape. So it's like, um, it's all you, just better. Ooh, I like that. I don't know <laughs> if that's in there, but you should sell that to them, Casey, because that is a great, it is actually, that's what it is. It also, Honey Love has more than just sculptwear, guys. They've got incredibly comfortable bras. They've got tanks, leggings, for everyday support. Ladies, Honey Love is just as easy to put on as it, as it is to take off. I do feel like shapewear shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be right. like a whole ordeal to get it off of your body. Honey Love <laughs> makes you look good and feel good, whether for like a wedding or an event or just every day. Like you have like a cute dress that you're like, I want a little bit. I just need a, you know, Honey yeah. Love is the perfect plus one. So treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash best20 
Use our exclusive link to get 20% off, honeylove.com slash best20. Sakara Life. Somebody was saying that they sing Sakara Life whenever they get their Sakara delivered. And I was like, <laughs> I love that so much that it makes me like I, I giddy. Like it makes yes. me so happy. Um, well, listen, Sakara's flexible signature nutrition program makes it easy to plan nourishing and feel good meals around your very packed, I'm sure, summer s- schedule. You have dinner plans this week. Fine. You can sign up for just breakfasts and lunches. Tired of the same takeout? Choose dinners and customize even more when you subscribe. Honestly, the options are endless and catered to your taste and your time. Embrace summer in a body that you love, that loves you right back with Sakara's Signature Nutrition Program. It's designed to support healthy weight management, to ease bloat, boost energy, help you with digestive issues. Sakara's plant-rich, organic, ready-to-eat meals ensure that you get the right nutrients to see and feel real results. <laughs> I mean, I've just noticed anytime I've done Sakara, and I'll be doing it again momentarily. <laughs> yeah. Um, just my skin looks so good. I'm glowing. It's like, I feel so good, full of energy, right? ready to go. Yeah, same for me. I can't eat like I did when I was 20, you know? Like, I just feel so much physically better when I'm eating on the right track. And so Saqqara is an excellent reset for me whenever I get a little wild. Okay, so Saqqara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their science-backed, ready-to-eat meals deliver results you can see and feel from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash best or enter code best at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash best to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash best. So what are you waiting for? So what are you waiting five? <laughs> That's from Girls Bible. I love anyway. it. Before I start, I want to ask you to pronounce your name for us because I want to make sure we say it right. Kirsten. 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 Like Got Kirsten. it. Vangs. Like Vang. <laughs> Vangsness. Got it. Vangsness. Okay. Kirsten, Great. Kirsten Bangsness. When she starts saying it, you'll have an anxiety attack. You'll say it wrong. And I will <laughs> well, I'll, tell Bangsness. You, I'll tell you the truth is like I've mostly seen it in print and I thought I had an idea of how I wanted to say it. But then I watched you on a bunch of talk shows and I feel like people say it differently every time. Every way. You just have to give it up to God. Because I've yeah. just just that name, it, people see it and they immediately go like, and then they just give up in the middle. You just have to keep, you have to let the arrow go all the way through and it'll work. And then out. they just give up. 
When I worked I enjoy, at wa- I enjoy, I enjoy when people just give up. <laughs> when I worked at Watch What Happens Live, I would always just ask, no matter the level of fame, I would always just ask the guest, I want to hear it from your mouth, how you like to have your name pronounced, just so I can be 100% sure. And I was like, what's more embarrassing to have me be the fall guy and ask behind the scenes or to have you say their name wrong 100 times on television? For real. Anyway. Anyway. This is not the interview, Kirsten Vangsness. I'm starting. I mean, you're... (laughs) I know. I feel like it could be, Casey. Why not? That's been historically speaking how we start our interviews is by not starting them. I do do listen to this show. I forgot. This is one thing I forgot to bring is my Athletic Greens tumbler so I could drink as we spoke. Oh, my gosh. And then I would get the thumbs up, the head nod. (sighs) The head nod. So excited. But it's enough to know. We can tell you have the athletic greens glow. That's in here. It's not just <laughs> that one thing. It's athletic greens. <laughs> Kirsten Bangsness. You, of course, all know her. Everyone listening knows her as Penelope from Criminal Minds. I know her originally from Phil of the Future. Are you serious? Yes. My kids loved that show. <laughs> that is hilarious. My first, like scene tv scene ever <laughs> you were great it was a great show yeah no i i i didn't know existed and i didn't have the money to have cable so i didn't understand what it even was when i got it so i don't know what fill of the future is sorry it was about a family from the future oh like okay living like in- nickelodeon nickelodeon right something like that or disney, disney. yes think- disney and i played the girlfriend of the science teacher for an episode. <laughs> but I remember. he was like, that made an impression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for that, I had only done uh, a Diet Dr. Pepper commercials and an IBM commercial. So this was a level. big deal. Oh, my gosh. But you started kind of young. You started in theater kind of young, right? Like- uh, I started doing theater my my dad was uh went to was an opera singer and then did not handle himself well in life um okay so as a result couldn't do it so then we lived in the central valley in porterville and my dad would do be like the lead in all of the musicals at porterville community college so my dad would be in bye bye birdie my dad would be birdie and my sister, who's three and a half years older than me, would be like one of the ditzy girls who was like, love the rock star. And then me at seven would play one of the elderly people in the back as a result of my posture. And I was so weird and, and so strange looking. Um, and I would get thrown in trash cans on the regular. So I just didn't speak. So I would sit in the back and peas and carrots like in Waiting for Guffman. Um <laughs> And, but sort of was doing that for a long time. And then uh, took a drama class because I had just stopped talking entirely. And then, (laughs) and then my mom kind of forced me and then I was kind of good at it because most of our first um, things we had to do were pantomime and I got A's and I had never gotten an A in anything. And um, I did, so it sort of all came together because the only time I would talk in school was because I had a lisp and I had to therapy and the speech therapists liked my stories. So the way they would do it is they would just send me outside with a teacher and just say, talk. And then they'd correct me because I would be telling them the story. And then they would say, no, no, they do it this way. And then I would 
that's why my S's are so excellent. Um, and- you know, I also had a bit, I mean, not a bit, I had a full speech impediment as a, as a little kid. And I, my S's, my R's, my T-H's. Yeah. Guys, so did I. You did? You did? Yeah. This I is had really... a, did you go to a speech therapist? Yes. This is yeah, really same. interesting that we all have this. And my mom, my mom signed me up for the um, talent show in second grade to do a play, not a play, a poem that I loved, that I had memorized, and she oh. knew it. Always loved poetry, guys. <laughs> um, and, but she also wanted me to like, get out there and speak, speak in public. Cause I did, I was afraid cause I, I was a little bit Cindy Brady. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Kirsten, wow. did people, did people reference Cindy Brady to you? No, I just had the S thing. No one referenced anything. <laughs> <laughs> I it was, I had the trifecta of the dyslexia, the lisp, uh, living in the Central Valley where there was no such thing as knowing that anybody had a learning disability. Sure. And I had zero eye-hand coordination, so I wasn't allowed to be in regular PE. I had to be in the, um, you know, a, a neurodiverse. Other PE, yes, sure. Yeah. Are you I also to- was in, I was also in, it was called People's PE. Yeah. We oh. had to lay down to do um, jumping jacks. And I remember laying down <laughs> the and the teacher would be like this, left hand, let's start with left. No, left. No, left. Oh my gosh. And I what all so of us would be funny. like, what hand? And still to this day, like, you know, my beloved will be like, where's the scotch tape just today? Where's the scotch tape? And I'll I'll hear myself say, what hand do I write with? Left. Left. It's in the left hand side door <laughs> over there. But uh yeah, we weren't allowed to do standing up sit-ups because we hurt ourselves. And but we got all the did you get the bean bags and the parachute? The we parachute. Get all the good products. Yeah. Yeah. And the little scooter things that you sat scooters. on. I yeah. Love those my, scooters. My husband also had to be in the in people's PE because he couldn't skip. Oh. Yeah. And, I definitely Yeah. I, I'm so happy there's a TikTok trend now where people are asking people in their workplace if they can skip. And there's a significant percentage of people who just can't skip. So I feel like that's retribution for my husband. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Not everyone can skip. No. Um, But so did you, and so then were you like, this is the thing I'm going to pursue, like from a young age then after it it became clear that you you could get an A in it? I wanted to do it. I loved it. I wanted to do it. But my mother, uh, I love my mom so much. She just left the house just now because she's, I, I have the best physical therapist and she comes down here. She lives in Orange County and I get her to take a lift and come here. And I love one of my favorite things about my mom is my mom has continued to grow. My mom just turned uh, 81 in, wow. um, and she was a public school teacher for a long time. And, and she comes from a different time and I love her so much. And I want to make that really clear because always it's really complicated. Um, I came from a very tumultuous, very, very tumultuous household, a lot of sexual trauma and a lot of stuff was happening. And the, family way of dealing with it was to kind of like not a lot, you know, a lot of splitting and not realizing it. So, um, I think my mom was very like, we have to survive. And my mom was very aware that I was such a weird kid because I was holding the trauma. I have a, I have a very hard, like there are no secrets on me. It just sort of, all. so I was holding it and 
so I think that she saw that I was very, very, very shunned by everybody and wanted me to not, you know, get destroyed. So it was very like, you know, you can't do this for a living, right? Right. Right? That people don't do this for a living. And so I knew that, but yet it was the only thing I was good at. So it was like, I almost flunked out of high school. I basically did besides, you know, I was one of those stories where like you almost flunk out, but then you have the counselor who's like, look, we're going to make, we're going to try to force this, you know, biology test to be B minus. And then you can, and, um, and I had, I couldn't pop right into college and I did really well in college once I was kind of out of the nonsense because I moved into a friend's house when I was around 16. But even then it's hard when you're 16, kind of living half at your parents and half and like not acknowledging what's going on. And you're all your friends know, but you don't have words for it because you've just lived in the snow for such a long time that you don't know it's snow. And by snow, I mean, sexual trauma, um, AKA snow. Uh, but like, uh, my securitist way of answering your question is that I just kept doing it because it, it made me deliriously happy. And then getting into college and being like, oh, there's books about it. Who is this Stella Adler? What we look at noses and we get character. And I would, I would slave over, I would take pieces of paper and I would write a line from my monologue. And then I would write another line next to it and be like obstacle to defy box next to it. And I draw a picture of the image that was going to be in my head. And then I'd make an objective and then I'd make a soup. I had like, it was like, Oh, you can, it was, I mean, it's way too much. Do not act that way. I don't recommend that. Burn those pieces of paper. But um. I don't know. I think that like I I didn't ever study like Stella Adler or anything like in college. But I think some of those things come in handy when yeah. you're stuck. And yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, oh. I know all of the things. And so I do think that like, you know, using... Just if any young actors are listening, I don't know. I'm just like a firm believer in kind of like uh, whatever works. Oh, me too. I'm like, in the get moment. Your get your tool belt. I just mean long form. Don't stick with that. Don't feel like but you But that is to- kind of amazing that you were like, I'm going to be the best student at this because I love it. Yeah, I was just great at it. And and I that was the thing. I didn't even, I, I get, you get told, especially in this kind of, this profession, you have to, I wanted to be good at it, but I thought being good at it also meant like you have to have a certain kind of persona. You have to mm-hmm. be a certain size. You have to sure, be a sure. uh, demeanor. And a lot of the people that I saw, especially feminine vet people, their demeanor was a certain way. And I, you know, and I remember I, when I was in college, I had a teacher who's, um, uh, I got to go for an audition for a movie at Paramount and, it was a big deal because I had nobody in school. So, you know, I got my... Wait, where did you go to school? Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Yeah. I went to Cypress Community College and I went to Cal State Fullerton. I was, I, I came down here and I remember I had my headshot, my resume, and I had to cut my resume to make sure. And I accidentally, you know, cut it too short. So I cut <laughs> a little bit of the picture off, but it was fine. And I, I remember the stapler didn't work. It was kind of a mess, but it was fine. And I show up and I hand her my thing and she'd seen a play I was in. So I was like, I was going in like, I'm I'm an actor, here I am. And uh, the uh, Kessner says, so what are you going to do when you graduate? I said, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to be an actor. And she said, um, no, you're, you're not 
old enough to be a character actor. You're not pretty enough to be to know how to turn off a, a house alarm. You're not uh, pretty enough to be. Um, uh, she, she said you're not old enough to be a character actor. You're not pretty enough uh, to be a, like an ingenue. You're not thin. She listed off all these things, and then she said, "If you're lucky, you get a day job, and maybe, maybe in twenty years you'll work a little." <laughs> and okay. Awesome. I, Thanks, lady. Outside, and I heard a noise that I always say this, like I heard this loud cracking noise that was my dreams burning to the ground. And I was like, okay, so I can't do this for a living. But I tried the old, like, you know, get with somebody, get, I swear to you, I told my beloved sweet partner to turn off the house alarm, but he didn't do it. And that's no worries. I kind of like it. It's okay. I mean, I listen, I'm in New York. It's like so humid right now that I <laughs> walked two blocks and like look like I took a shower. So I have the air conditioning on and normally, I mean, it, we're just going to live with it. You know what I mean? Okay, great. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to acknowledge my privilege of having a house alarm in it. <laughs> I have no need to have a house alarm. Um, uh, so, so I, I was, I don't like, know. Well, Criminal Minds fans could be a little wild. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Don't think they have a foot at the hedge. You know Um, what I mean? So, uh, so, uh, so yeah. So I, I was like, I tried, I think briefly, I had like maybe a year where I did the old, like, I know I'll get with somebody else who's, who's talented and I'll like, you know, hook my little hooks into them and they can go create. And I'll be like the, I'll be like the partner of the creator. And I realized very quickly, like, that's a terrible idea. Like, I realized very quickly, like, I have to do this and I'll just live on cat food. So I just did it and had three, four day jobs. And it never occurred to me that I would do it for a living. I just did. I just did stuff. And I actually, my life is relatively similar in terms of where I get my art well filled to how it's always been. It was just sort of like, I'm a member of a theater company in Hollywood called the theater of note. And it's a 48 seat theater with one bathroom. And it's got a laminated sign up that reminds you to unlock the door. Cause the the actors use it that I laminated when I was a substitute kindergarten teacher, like I, and I still make art there. So like, that's all I did is I just started to go to places and make things. And then it just like, I had a friend I did a play with and she wasn't booking anything. She decided to work on the other side of the table. She was working at April Webster's office. She had a little part in something. Who's the was, casting director? Yes. April Webster. Guys, like, ca- just Hollywood break. Hollywood sorry, sorry. break. Casting director. Sometimes we have to, sometimes we just have to do, the people yes. at home don't know. Like Alias <laughs> and Star Trek and Criminal Minds, a bunch of other things. So, um, so yeah, so she was working with April Webster and she said, can you come in, read this part? You're, you're never going to get it. Um, just read it. Just make me look good. Okay. And there's no freedom to me like, I, I always have a hard, I always had a hard time. I still do. Um, I love, I have this quote that like, I love, like, love the art in yourself, not yourself in the art because art and theater and all that stuff is like set me free so much. And I always feel this, like I'm reading this book right now called the rise. If you've never read it, it's really good. It's by Sarah Lewis and it's about creativity. And she talks about like the space between the work and your vision. And I always feel like even before I got, it's like, it, it just felt like I don't belong. 
I don't belong. I, it's always hard for me to remind myself, like I'm with my peers, I'm with my peers. So to go in and do something for my friend, instead of like, I have to show up in this room and prove to them that they want me. I have to prove to them that they hired my friend smart. That's different, right. different energy. And it kind of set my brain free because I can get a little Heisenberg principle. I like the observed object changes because it's observed. So I just kind of went in and wanted to make my friend look good. And then got two lines on Criminal Minds, which was a co-star part because they realized the show was too guy heavy. So they needed a girl to come in at the last minute, read these two lines, and then they were going to recast me. But they do this thing apparently, which I still don't exactly know how it works, but I guess like sometimes they have focus groups, you know, where they like come up to people and say, will you watch this show and we'll give you $50 or something? And like yeah. they get and, and so they did that for, for the episode of Criminal Minds and they give you a little like dial. I've never done it. So I don't know. They give you a dial or a button yes. and then mm-hmm. they say, push this or turn this. It's turn. And- it's a, it's a dial. Okay. So apparently while turned the farthest on this little teeny tiny scene. And I was in this scene, I was terrified of my mind. I'm behind myself. Someone walks over and he goes, do you know who Shamar Moore is? And I said, no, no, he's very cute. Okay. And then they also had asked me to bring my own clothes and I dress like a space pirate. I always have, like, <laughs> I don't, since I was seven, I just, I like, I don't, I wear what I wear, what I want to wear. I don't wear like, this is what a 51 year old wear or whatever. So the customer was, but they also didn't know how to fit me. Cause I was in like a 12, 14, 16. So they were like, we, none of these clothes work. And, but they were like, they were like, we're going to be crazy and put her in a green sweater. <laughs> Then they were like, we're going to be crazy and keep your glasses on crazy. And then they had me flirt with this guy that I didn't know existed. And I was terrified out of my mind. And then I went home and I thought, then I'll never, when they, when they, when the creator shook my hand, like he stuck his hand out and I had done so good all day to try to like keep it together and not like collapse in my own insecurity. Like my own, you know, I'm in work and vision is, actually doing this job that I've always dreamed about doing. And I'm here in the room and everything in me, and I still do this, everything in me wants to collapse and be like, let me prove to you that I have no business doing it. Like it's that, it's that old version of me that's always there. And I have to be friends with her and I have to remind her, like, you don't get to run the show. Like there are other versions of me now. So when I went to go shake his hand, he put his hand up to me and said, it's a pleasure working with you. I grabbed his hand because I was done shooting and I picked it up with my other hand and I started to hit my own head with his hand. (laughs) And I'm saying, did I butcher your words? Did I, because what would happen is I'll be creative. And then the second it stops, I'll be like, I ruined everything. And it's a horrible feeling, but it's like kind of now I'm used to the, the role of it. Like, okay, just roll through that. That's just, that's just some old nonsense. So I remember hitting his head and then he kind of looked at me like I was a crazy person. And it's like, it's self-sabotage at, at, a, at an artistically brilliant level. It's terrible. But he was like, uh-huh, okay, bye. And then <laughs> they turned that knob so much for that part. Yeah. But then they brought me back just to see. They were like, there's no way. It was probably a fluke. And then they tested it again. And then I borrowed back some of my own clothes because they kept bringing me back and they kept using my clothes because they didn't really know how they were dressing her. And so the costume designer was kind of figuring it out. She did costume it on her own, but it was like pieces. Like we don't have a black skirt that fits you, bring yours. 
So I borrowed back a skirt, episode five, six, for a play audition. And they, I said I had an audition. They assumed it was for another show. And the costume designer went to the producers and said, she's going to go audition for something else. And so the next time I got back to work, there was a series regular contract. And wow. now shows on season 17, I think we're, when the strike is over, we're going to start. Oh my gosh. And so what the- season, wait, what season did you start? From the one, from the beginning, right? Was oh, it the pilot? Episode, yep. First episode pilot, I had three lines. Right. I wasn't in episode five and I thought, well, that was a good run. All I cared about, and my mom and my sister were actually planning. They had told me, they said, we're having an intervention that, for you because you need to stop doing this because it's never, it's not working. And I was, I was living in a $500 apartment. I couldn't afford. I was like everything, but like right before that, what, what had started happening in my private life was like, I was realizing like, Oh my God, I, I was in a, I was in a relationship with someone I, I deeply love, like deeply, but things were like, not, they were, they couldn't get, we couldn't get, it wasn't. And then I, I was coming out. I was realizing like I was gay, like things were clicking into place. Like, oh wait, I accidentally fell in love with this girl, but that I still want to be in this relationship. This person is like my person. The person I was with is my person. And I can't leave them. This is like the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But yet I can't go do this anymore. And I was taking, I was starting to go to physical therapy for my vagina. And you didn't think it was going to go there, right? We're talking. (laughs) I did. I I don't know if I know about physical therapy for your vagina. Oh, I could teach you so much. I mean, I couldn't (laughs) do it for you, but I could tell you where. And I think everyone should get physical therapy for their vagina. If you have a vagina. Okay. Even if that vagina needed to be constructed in uh, later on in life because you didn't get one coming out, get some vagina physical therapy. Cause it is, it is, you think about it. It's like a little, you know, it's a, like a little center where we store a lot of information. Um, well, tell me, wait, can we just, can we yeah. digress for two seconds sure. on vagina physical therapy? Like what is it? Is it, what is it? Is it physical, well, emotional or like Yes. I mean, okay. People go to, pel- it's called pelvic floor physical therapy. People go to it because let's say they had cancer and stuff. Let's say yeah. menopause and all of a sudden things are different. And so blood flow has gotten weird and stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's say you had sexual trauma and your body doesn't understand. Um, pleasure. I mean, like that. It's like a pleasure. I mean, right. My body didn't understand like I could have, I, it was, it's very hard to explain to someone. Like, basically I like to, you have to force me, but also I have to be super into it, but also not like it was so many bells and whistles. Right. It was complicated. But then also when you're doing it, I can't do it. Like I can't, it's so searingly painful. And also I'm going to punch you in the face and not remember <laughs> happening and start talking to the third person. Like there was a lot, I had a lot, a lot of, uh, carbon dating layers to kind of manage because yeah. what happens to all of us, all of us, I mean, this is, I am not unique in this. Every single female bent creature has had something, right? All of, I know all, you know, a hundred percent. Yes. Then what happens is because you know that that happened, you have this tattoo on you that says this thing happened to me. And when you're in a particularly vulnerable situation, it flares up. And then something similar to that happens again and again and again. And your body is so brilliant 
at trying to take care of you or trying to tell you like, this is horribly dangerous. And then also because we're human beings and we try to, we don't like shake it off like an animal. We don't go and play dead and puke and do normal things. We go, everything's fine. And we just try to lock it in. We don't give it that time that it needs, you know, and it stores all this stuff. So for me, I had was going to a therapist because I couldn't have sex with my boyfriend because it was, it, I, and I wanted to, and I didn't understand. And she said, well, I know this person that does this. And at the time it was super weird for people to do it. And people always assume, like, if you talk about it, people go like, oh, trust me, my vagina's great. Like <laughs> my kegels are like, it has nothing to do with that. Like I, right. I'm sure. Whoever's listening to this, I'm sure your vagina is a magical wonderland full of butterflies, as is everyone's. So, um, but it's like, it it was like a mind body. I don't know. It was a bunch of things. And then when that happened, it kind of woke me up. And then, did I tell you, answer that? Basically what they do to answer your question, they put their fingers into your vagina. That's exactly what you'd think. Um, and your, your kegels is as much, I mean, you know, I, I'm speaking in draft here because I'm not a pelvic floor physical therapist are like hands, you know, they're like Mm -hmm. opposite, but same. And then you've got all these other muscles that also connect people do it um, for like injuries in your sciatic nerve, all that. Cause you can get up in to like your hip joints, all kinds of stuff. They do it on men. You go through the butthole and they do it on men too. in the pelvic floor, totally true thing. But for women or for, for people, I will talk about me specifically. Um, you know, all that stuff that you would go and get body work for your fascia, your, the way your muscles have trained themselves to constrict. So if you're, if you're, if your uh, bicep is always in a contracted state, if you do a Kegel, it might be really strong, but if it's in a contracted state, it can only do a little bit, right. but if you can get to relax, then it, and then all that weird phantom pain, we don't talk about any of this. Nearly. For sure. For sure. Because you never hear a guy say, you never will hear a guy say, I loved her so much. I was so into her. But every time I put my dick inside of her, it felt like a thousand needles of fire. But I kept going because I love her so, I wanted it so much. But every female in the world has that story. Even if you even if you can usually have great sex, one every once in a while you do it, you're like, this fucking hurts. And, it's not right, yeah. And I know they're having a good time. So now I need to, fix something. Every once in a while you might say time out, but sometimes you just, and that's an amazing and strange and we don't talk about it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm, I mean, I think if, cause sometimes breathing through a thing and you know, pain is sort of interesting. So I'm not like downplaying or whatever, but like, anyway, so, so I, so I did that. And then I realized from doing that, from doing that body work, that kind of opened me up. And I met this woman who did it basically for free. She knew I was doing theater and she invited me. She asked me to give her tickets to a play I'd written. And so basically I got pelvic floor physical therapy for $20 of a show that I made, you know, like, and um, she's now one of my dearest friends. Um, And so I broke up with the guy I was with. I ended up like coming out, which then became re-coming out in a variety of ways as life continued you know, I know your show is about pivots. Like my pivot is so slow that I feel like I'm still <laughs> mid pivot. Like I'm, it's like tectonic pivoting, pivoting. Um, but then 
all of that stuff. Like that person that I was like, he's my, like, I can't, he's my best friend. He's my writing partner. He's married. He's got a 12 year old. We're thick as thieves, but our relationship, I didn't, it starts over here and then it goes over here. But all of that stuff, like letting go, doing criminal minds and being like, I have to lose weight. I have to change who I am. Mm. And I'm not saying like, yeah, when you get into Hollywood land, they do things, right? They color your hair. Like they wouldn't let me color my own hair because I showed up one day with green hair because I didn't do the toner or whatever the fuck, right? Like you, they, they, you know, they simplify things, but I did not know that like just being the most myself I could be is the thing that opens up all of the gates because you think no one can know who I am because I'm so all fill in whatever that is. And, oh my God, there's no way I could be, like if someone told me, like I did so many, like the criminal minds thing. And then I got cast in uh, this play called Fat Pig, which was a Neil LeBute play. I I know the play. I've seen it. Okay. It was me, Andrea Anders from, uh, she's now on um, Ted Lasso. She plays his ex. Uh, Scott Wolf and Chris Pine. And actually April Webster came to that show and that's what got her to put him in. And in that thing, it was like during Criminal Minds, I had to gain 50 pounds and wear a fat suit and roll around on a bed with someone that everybody said like, oh, this is this hot guy. And like, I always thought like, when you become an actress specifically to gender it, you have to be a certain way. You know what I mean? You can't be this little queer weirdo who I didn't even let myself be myself. This I worked so hard to try to not be that girl that got trash canned because I didn't want to get trash canned anymore. And and then you realize like, no, I think you're supposed to like be the most you can and then be like, yeah, and you still don't get to you don't get to trash can. Like right. Well it's interesting that these two like well this this professor that you had that is supposedly like an authority that's teaching you told you like that this world isn't open to you. It's not for you. It was a casting director. A ca- oh, a casting director. She, she was the ex-wife of one of the teachers at school. And look, she was a brilliant casting director. Sure. And here's the other thing. She wasn't wrong. Well, here's what I would say to that, Kirsten. Yeah. I would say she was of a time and a moment and indoctrinated in her own bullshit right. that so deeply that she couldn't conceive of a possibility of a of a different way of being received and also couldn't see her own part in the oppression. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think that what gets me through the day is sort of an annoying kind of radical responsibility of things. Cause I always look at it like she provided me the contrast that gave me the ability to not be that person. Right. Mm. Like, and so I'm so like, I am so anti gatekeeper. I'm so anti, like I'm so I will do whatever I can to kind of, how do I like, and it will never, that will never break. Like I don't, I make all kinds of shit all the time, but like <laughs> I haven't gotten to the point really where the shit that people would like see would be besides criminal minds. Like I made a movie, but like when I made that movie, I spent a million of my own money that I have 
I made that movie, but because I wanted to make a movie with people I knew were as talented that no one would know. And I wanted to show people. I wanted everybody that I know that was talented that other people didn't know. I wanted them to make a living wage to make, have insurance for just a mo- for just three weeks. Right. Just so they knew what it felt like. Cause I know that for me, what that did and yes. what that ended up doing is the girl who does my hair on criminal minds got Taft Hartley from that thing. I know people who have jobs who got Taft Hartley, you know, who, who moved into their given things in show business from that movie. I didn't make any money off it. You can watch it on um, wherever streaming you search, kill me deadly. You will find <laughs> it. Like I do things like that. I'm doing a show on Thursday and next week that I made up called bits. And it's basically like a salon where people that I already trust and already know can make things like Drew Drogi and Tom wow. Lang and um, June Carroll and uh, some musicians, some really talented people, things that they're making um, 10 minutes, just a bit, 10 minutes or less of, of a thing that they haven't fully made, created yet. Yeah. Because I really think that the act of putting it in front of people makes you, you know, it teaches you like where oh, you I have to say, I think it like so frequently that is when the ideas become clearer to you. And also when you, it becomes obvious to you which ones to bail on. <laughs> yeah. We so often do these things like Solani, like things for the audience or to showcase. And I love, again, I'm reading this book called The Rise and they talk about this dancer, this famous choreographer and how he did this dance and he got, it got panned. The act of meaning it was horrible. But yeah. what, ended, what ended up becoming was genius, but it was years later. But it's like to have the ability to be like, I'm making something. Here it is. It's a bit of it. I'm not going for the whole orgasm of look at this thing I made and it's done and it's complete. I'm intentionally putting myself in a room full of people to be a little awkward. And it's not for the fame of it, the money of it, the whatever. You know what I mean? I'm going to give everybody $15 for parking (laughs) and cookies uh, and booze. Um, But like those things, I think the fact that I have that and that this entire thing was based on like, I'm in the middle of struggling writing something, but I know this amazing creative named Joel Scher and he's amazing. He's just a genius and he needs a way to get his things out. And I was like, we're going to do this. And that part of me, that's like, we all need to make a thing because it makes the world better. Let's all get together and get in the barn for the sake of doing it is because of her telling me you can't do this, but this isn't for you. And you're like, no, this is for everyone. Just told me like, you're not invited into the club. Mm -hmm. And so that part did burn me because I still feel like I'm never invited to the club. I'm always surprised. Like when the public is. What's when interesting the that I had sent me the thing for this and said, you can do this. I was surprised. I was like, <laughs> what? No, really? We I would, mean, like we, both of you. So that was, that's how I. <laughs> well, that's, all, yeah, we just want to talk to someone that we like. I've been having this discussion so much recently about, honestly, neutral. Like, oh, 
literally the product itself. People have been bringing it up in conversation. And so much of it is friends of mine. Listen, guys, I turned 44, okay? Yeah. And hair changes happen. They can happen due to age or biology, lifestyle, whatever. I mean, many different reasons why. And no matter the root cause, haha, get it, get it, <laughs> of your hair concerns, Nutrafol meets you exactly where you are with science-backed formulas tailored to your needs. And it actually works. It really yeah. does. Um, the hair care products that you use can make or break your hair health. Everybody knows that. That's why, you know, we don't want to overwash or color treat, um, heats. I try to avoid heat styling when I'm not working, Some, you know, or going out to an event or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Nutrafol's hair growth supplements target the root causes of thinning hair from within. And Nutrafol's scalp care formulas help create a healthy environment for improved hair quality. So listen, the shampoo, the scalp mask, the scalp essence are all gentle yet effective and work to exfoliate and purify and balance the scalp for improved hair health. I am such a fan. I love these products so much. Nutrafol's physician-formulated scalp care products are clinically shown to balance the scalp and visibly improve hair health and strength in two weeks. Two weeks! With their 100% natural fragrance, zero parabens, which you know we're allergic to in my house, and ingredients that are color and extension safe. Which is for me. That's for you. (laughs) Also, the supplements are like the go-to. Everybody that I know loves these supplements. I've been taking them. And they're the foundation for healthy hair growth. While the scalp care products create the environment for your hair to thrive. It's a daily routine. And the formulas set you up for your healthiest hair yet. So take the first step toward improved hair and scalp health now. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our U.S. listeners $10 off your first scalp care order when you go to Nutrafol.com slash scalp and enter promo code BUSY. Find out why over 4,000, 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. N-U-T-R-A-S-O-L.com slash scalp and enter promo code busy for $10 off your first scalp care order available only to us customers for a limited time that's neutrophil.com slash scalp promo code busy for $10 off your first scalp care order okay here's what i'm going to say to you guys okay Thrive Cosmetics first came to me and Casey because they were interested in possibly advertising on the podcast. And like we always do, we're like, please send us the products first and then we will figure it out, okay? If it's for us, if it's not for us. They sent us their bestsellers. Casey and I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to like go too far, but I became so obsessed, <laughs> so obsessed with the Liquid Lash extensions mascara from Thrive Cosmetics that it's all I use now. I order it in bulk. I had 
my makeup artist on Girls 5 Eva order it. Anytime I am wearing it and I post a photo of myself on Instagram, people comment, DM me, what's the mascara? What are you putting on your eyes? I don't want to cause a controversy. I'm just telling you, it's the greatest mascara of all time. It That's is. All I'm saying. Our friend I'm just Simran, saying, I'm sorry. Our friend Simran said that she noticed the makeup artists on the last TV show she was working on were using it. And she well, was like, I don't oh my care God. About them. I care about me. <laughs> But I'm just saying confirmation out in the wild that this is like the best thing. I'm a longtime fan of tubing mascaras. I can't wear mascara because it smears under my eyes. My face is oily, uh, which is a blessing and a curse, but it ruins mascara. And so when I got my hands on the Thrive tubing mascara, it changed my life because it not only doesn't smear at all, it stays on all day. It comes off so easily with just like warm water and soap at the end this of the night. This is what's crazy. I don't understand how it comes <laughs> off so easily. I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm yeah. like it is guys, it is a game changer. It's, it's a, a game, game changer. Changer. Here's the other thing that I'm obsessed with, the brilliant eye brightener. I'm yes. serious. Yes. It's like a highlighter stick. Yes. And it brightens, but I use it like kind of all over my I eyelid. use it everywhere, on my nose, on my cheeks. I love it. I'm a rule breaker. It. It's those great. Those two, if like Thrive Cosmetics only had those two products. Yeah. I'm, do- I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's the best. I would be happy for life. The fact is they've got like an arsenal of incredible products. And then beyond that, these products are certified 100% vegan, cruelty-free beauty products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. There's no parabens, no sulfates, no phthalates. They don't compromise performance, obviously. And the reason why they're called Thrive Cosmetics and cause is spelled C-A-U-S-E is because a part of their mission Every purchase supports organizations that help communities thrive, such as those battling domestic abuse, um, homelessness, cancer, and more. We personally went through the list of all of um, the organizations that Thrive Cosmetics supports and gives to to make sure that nothing was problematic, guys. I just <laughs> want to tell you that. We did we did that for you. You we don't have to work. do it. You might want to. I'm just telling you, we did it. Um, Because I also was like, this mascara is too good. Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara, guys, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it from Thrive Cosmetics. Okay, you have to try Thrive Cosmetics to see for yourself. Right now, you can get our exclusive 20% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash best. That's Thrive Cosmetics. T-H-R-I-V-E-C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash best for 20% off your first order. What's interesting for me is you were saying that you hate gatekeepers. I think Busy and I feel the same way. 
And also, like, the the story that you're describing where there's a focus group and everyone pins the dial for this character, Penelope, that you're creating, you know, sort of like you're bringing something. All they wanted was to balance out the gender. And here you brought this, like, quirky realness and freshness in your own clothes and your own glasses that they weren't planning on. And it suddenly, like, became undeniable to gatekeepers. You know what I hate even more than gatekeepers? I hate gatekeepers that deny something that is undeniable. Like, I hate (laughs) when a gatekeeper is told by the masses, no, everybody actually really likes this thing. We're into it. We are hungry to see this. And they're like, no, in my expert opinion, the thousand of you are wrong. You guys stop talking about yourself. <laughs> I mean, but really, no, it really is. But I do believe there are gatekeepers that don't want people to know. It's almost like they don't want people to know about this kind of a show or they didn't want people to know. There was a producer at Criminal Minds that would look at me like he'd shake his head. He'd look at me and he'd say, I don't know why you test so well. And he would be mad about it. Like, and I didn't understand. He fucking said that to you? Oh, he would That's mumble. wild. Like, it was the weird, and I didn't know what it meant. And I would go to people like, what is that? And then you find out there were actors, um, you, not not any of the people that we know, none of them we, we, we cherish and love and, and hold them dear, that were angry that I yeah. was there, that were like actually like mad that someone like me, who somebody, uh, this is ages, ages, ages ago, said they wouldn't take publicity pictures next to me because I, in real life, I wore too many non-natural fibers. And I remember being like hurt, but not understanding. And then going back and looking at my closet and being like, oh, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> she's wrong. Oh, my God. But also like that sort of rage of like, you don't even know the fucking lingo. You don't know anything. Like you're just this weird little gutter rat. Like the rage that people get by that like, you got in and I think it comes from what busy, what you were saying before, a lot of times, namely women yeah, and don't like that. Like how fucking dare you, you've gotten in and didn't have to play the game as much as I didn't like, uh, I, we all played the game, but like, I might've not been the role that you were in it, you know, going right. back to like your guys' Jenny Slate article, uh, uh, interview you had, I remember you guys talking about like, whether you were a bro or whatever and having to code switch around all that, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it it was, it's interesting that people that you encounter in Hollywood land and everybody's feelings and you have to learn, like, don't take any of it personally. I know. I think any, any producer, like even feeling weird about you at all is just because they knew they didn't think of you. They didn't invent you and they couldn't have. Right. You know, I would do things to make them like, I remember with the glasses thing, they brought in a bunch of glasses and they were like, these are the glasses you can wear. And they were all like one of two brands. And I was like, I'm not going to be a fucking commercial for anybody. And they're all ugly. They were all just like brown. And I took my <laughs> own money because suddenly I was making money and I went to LA Works and I spent $20,000 on glasses and they were <laughs> way better than theirs. And I was like, here, uh, there, and they're my prescription and they're non-reflective. And they're better. I didn't do it bitchy like that, but then they were like, oh, okay. So I kept doing things like that that would both piss them off, but also kind of make the thing better. Like the entire desk was shit that fans would come up to me at plays or things and be like, 
I made this for you, whatever. So like that whole desk was like a weird little living document for fans. So you could see the whole last four of the last thing I had an impeach the motherfucker already button that I would put in various places. I had Roe v. Wade shit. Like, no, it, it was like, you'd have to look for it, but it was like a little secret of like, I love that. Like fucking with the, the system because, yeah. and then they did kind of hate it because they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they didn't make it. Yeah. Cause you had the power. They didn't make it and it resonated. Yeah. With fans and they didn't understand it. And so frequently, especially, I mean, especially men, but you know, if somebody doesn't understand a thing, they just deride it. They're like, I don't, I don't get it. That's gross. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't get it. That's not good. Right. And I think one of the great things about the show Criminal Minds in general, and I mean, it's, it's a procedural drama. It is absolutely not for everybody. I've seen, I've written, co-written five episodes and I've maybe seen in total seven or eight episodes of Criminal Minds because it's too violent for me and I get too like... Yeah, I can't watch it. Too much. Um, But like, I I love that people, I love my job. I love that people do that. But like that character, and I would say all the characters was a testament of, yeah, I brought in my own things and the the writers and the design team all yes-anding each other. Yeah. And the cast in and of itself is just, they've informed it, you know, just because I get to act with Paget Brewster all the time, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, who's incredible. And like, She's act incredible. With Aisha Tyler, like all these, and I work with the most amazing women. Like this, these are the kind of people, like we all sat in, in my hot tub during negotiations and went, how much are you making? How much are you making? How much are you making? What do we need? Well, I'm going to call, like we completely have each other's back. It is, it is a complete, like we stick together and take care of each other. And it is a really beautiful way to create. Well, I I thought this was really interesting and really courageous of you. You had a co-star and friend who was let go from the show and you participated in the protest and petitions to bring her back. Yeah, they fired uh, Paget and AJ, which was dumb. And they figured out it was dumb because they had to bring them back. Yeah, I was going to say. Super dumb. And um, and then, it, you know, Hollywood is so weird because when I first started on the job, I was making way less than everybody because it was my first job. And then when AJ left, because she was gone and I had been there now for a period of time, I was making more. But she had been making more than me before she left. And she worked way more days than I did. And it became like a, what the fuck is this? And why are they making more? Like, and then I started getting like, explain to me why, aside from hormones, the women are making less than the men. Just explain that part to me. And then explain to me why you let her go. You know, you need to bring her back. And yet you're making her. And so then we got into a game of chicken and this is the gatekeeper part. This is, I don't, I couldn't create this on my own. This is based on the conflict that I had in my life prior to this, that when they went to negotiate with me, I was like, yeah, but we need to make the same amount of money. And then when they returned and they were like, they upped mine and they kept her the same. I was like, I don't think, did I stutter? We need to make the same amount. Like if it has to do with somebody else, and I don't know if that's my cancerian little heart or something, like I will burn down the house for the community. Yeah. I do okay with like a sandwich in the corner, but if it's everybody, 
Like we're all getting the same fucking like thing. Like don't play with me. Like I get a little like aggro because I truly believe in my bones. We are only as powerful as the least privileged among us. And when you get into this situation where you're working with someone incredible and they dicked them over, right. they have to make it right. You know, and it and it's not hard. Like that's not a hard Well, that's thing. the other thing. It's not hard. Yeah, it's not and hard. It's so, it's, and it feels so hard. dumb when you're looking at it and you're like, guys, this is, I don't even yeah. understand. What are we talking about? That's so, like, it's, I guess it's, it's nice, but also I can't live with myself like working with someone like, and I have that power. Like I can't, I couldn't go to work knowing like I, at that was at the time where I was working like two days an episode, maybe I would start work, finish usually one day an episode because it was just in the room by myself. And she yeah. works every day in like Reseda and Valencia. And I have to, I work 20 minutes away because it's all in my office. But I think you being like that is probably why, I, I mean, this is maybe a leap, but I'm willing to make this leap. That quality about you probably shines through. And that is why people respond to you because I think a lot of people would have no problem justifying like, you know, my friend lost their job, but I kept mine, but I still want to keep mine. So I'm not going to say anything. And so this is the story that I'll tell myself about why it has to be this way. And instead you were like, well, fuck it, burn the house down. If you want to fire me too, then right. I'm willing well, to accept that. But I then, have to say yeah. this. And I think that being on an out, feeling like an outsider and when they let Pageant AJ go, I was like, I became... I had a visceral understanding that my job, whether it's a TV job or whatever, when someone gives me a job that I didn't create, I'm a squatter in a fancy house. Mm. They get to kick me out whenever they want, mm -hmm. but they don't get to take away. I'm, I'm, I'm still an artist. Like I'm still me and mm -hmm. you don't fuck with that. Like, and, and so that when they left, I was mm. like, oh, you could do that to me. You could do that to anybody that the, the way that they treat that, that sort of you're, you're disposable when you've decided by some sort of metric, whether it's one, one guy in power making an arbitrary decision that he decides that this person is unnecessary or not. Like when you realize that it was like, oh yeah, that's not, that could be me. You yeah. know what I mean? That's not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not special. It's special that, you know, any of us, anybody out in the world can get out of their own way and have access enough to whatever your creative spirit is that makes your heart sing. And it's special that you get paid for it. But also when they could take that away from them, it was like, that's that you could do that to me. So what's at the end of the day? Right. What's and you probably, yeah. And you probably will like at some point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, especially like, especially like there was a whole thing about why they got let go. You know, there was this whole like, well, they want to, it seemed like what they wanted to do was they wanted to take them out because what they wanted to do was bring in sort of like, we'll bring in some young, fresh, beautiful, and they don't do that to men, but it's right. this. They do not. That we get told like when we're young, young baby women that like, oh, you're so valuable and special. And then right. you get to this age and then they start like throwing you out. But they don't throw out men like that. Like they keep the men. 
So it's very, um, it's just a thing I always want to remember. Don't get tricked by, by that. And don't get tricked that you're not special because you're not this little baby woman. Like baby women are very special, but like all the women are very special, like equally and have, have the same range, if not more, if you take the, we are all the ages we've ever been all, all of that. But like that idea that they wanted to dispose of them because the question was, they might not, um, you know, provide what they were supposed to in terms of their, um, juiciness as a female being is like, that's not true. That's a right. lie. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's a lie. We get told so much that television lets you believe it, but it's a right. lie. Like in life, right. I don't live like, like, like whatever somebody told me 51 was going to be, I'm getting used to it. I turn 51 next week. So I'm practicing. Next week. Happy um, birthday. Uh, but like whatever people told me this was going to be, like me was going to be here. It's not, they were lying. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? To kind of keep all of us ladies like in our place or something, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. It, what you're saying reminds me of like an epiphany I kind of had early on, like uh, in my early jobs, people saying like, we're a family. This is a big family. Oh my God. I just had this conversation with someone the other day. <laughs> and then like suddenly a really important member of the family just got fired, like surprise fired. And I was like, oh, do you... <laughs> Do we fire our family? What, you know, for yeah, how does that so work? That's why I've been really careful throughout my career when I've been in a, a management or, or, you know, higher position to never go around telling everyone, well, you have to put up with this and all the quirkiness because we're a family and you owe me this because we're a family, right? right. And you know, and we have to have each other's backs, uh because we're a family, because then when you turn around and show that it's a business, which sometimes you have to do, or sometimes you don't, but you do it anyway, um, then it becomes instantly obvious that it never was a family and that, you know, it right. doesn't work both ways. Right, right. I think it becomes a family because you're sitting there with each other for hours and hours and hours and like you're eating some, I don't know, celery sticks and you can't finish them. So you turn to the person next to you, like you want half. And then you spend all this time doing that. And these moments happen that are you're bonded. Yeah. But, but, but just like, just like, uh, I don't, what is that? I don't, I can't remember whether your actual family is called your illogical family or your logical, but just like the family that you were born into, there are family members that you don't, you, you don't talk to. Right. <laughs> Exactly. There are family members that it doesn't matter how close they are to you, you, you don't you cut them off. And so yeah. like, and, and meaning I'm not saying cut them off, like fire them. I'm saying that like you, we all have to pay attention, especially in Hollywood land. I think to like that, I don't know, that little, there's always that little voice inside of me sometimes, even when I really like somebody, that little voice, the little, small, little beings inside me, like, be careful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're kind of shiny, but don't, no, don't, don't open up too much. No, no. Right, right, right. Well, that, yes. That's like in relationship too, because I've been listening to your thing and I, I'm here to tell you that I am now three years in to like the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I found it on Tinder and I get to class on online dating and it's not the class you think. 
Um, <laughs> I know, I know so much about it now. And, uh, and I was on Tinder for probably 45 seconds because Tinder is a terrifying hellscape. Um, but, uh, it's like a, I'm a track, but now this, that happened. And I guess that's why I needed to, but my point is it's the same thing in, in relation, any kind of relationship where you're always navigating which version of me and what part of me is being drawn to this person. Is it my, mm. is this a trauma response? Right. Is this my trauma? Right. right. Is this, is this who I want to be all the time? Is this, is this person, can I expand and am I accepted totally or am I partitioning parts off? Right. You know, do they give you that uh, as my therapist calls, like it's the difference. It's a fuel system between adrenaline and passion. Passion Mm. not nearly as interesting, but it's a lot long burning and it, you know, ebbs and flows, but adrenaline, fuck. Like it is like, you know what I mean? Where that love bomb hits, like just get it in my veins and the franticness that comes with that, the, the verbal puke and whatever they can also come with me when I get happy in Hollywood land, when I meet somebody I, you know, love in that world. Kirsten, you said something that I thought was really funny and interesting. Uh, You've been quoted as saying that you're as queer as a purple unicorn singing Madonna. Yeah, yeah. But that also that you don't identify as bisexual, even though you have been partnered with men and women. Yeah. Um, You know, I go back and forth about that just because it's troubled other people. Like, I I don't consider myself, uh, I don't consider myself uh, a lesbian anymore. Like I thought I was, I was like, when I came out and I fell in love and I was, you know, and then I was, even before I was partnered with a woman before that, you know, I was like, okay, this all makes sense now. Like all this makes sense. And I thought, uh, then I was troubled with the, like, when I actually decided, no, maybe I, do I also have feelings for men sometimes too? It was very troubling because then it becomes like, oh, is it the sexual trauma? Is it the whatever? And you start judging it. Like, where does it come from? I don't give a fuck anymore. And I know that this is just the way I show up. And I think that sexual fluidity is much more normalized now, thank goodness. But um, there's a bell hooks quote, I just saw it today too, about queerness. That is like, queerness is both, yes, about sexual stuff, but it's also about you know, having to navigate the world being different, you know, mm. having your own differences and understanding that you're always going to be different. And I, but for me, sexually, it's like, I'm not, I'm not straight. I'm so not straight. And I'm so not, I'm very uh, not straight. And, and um, so it's hard for me to say, uh, it's, it's hard for me to say bisexual because it doesn't always ring. Queer rings better for me. And that's kind of what I love about, um, I'm just, I'm a little more, like, I'm like a sapphic bisexual. I don't really know. And, okay. and that's, I still try to figure it out. Like, I, I'm surprised because when I was dating, I was dating men and women. I was surprised that I ended up with a guy. He's Canadian. Um, so it's not <laughs> entirely, uh, but, but he's super crazy hot. and like fun and smart and sexy. He's a veterinarian and a musician. And like, he's only 165 days younger than me. He's, he's, he dresses cool. He knows all these cool things. 
He's, he speaks French. He's Canadian. He's like all the things he's like, and he also, he's like, he's red. He's smart and funny and he's got a seven and a half year old. So now I automatically have this lovely little family. Uh, my point is that what I realized is, is that I always thought I would find these great people that I was with and they were great, but they just weren't where I needed them to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I kept, you know, building them up, they would see how great I am. I see how great they are. I will keep inspiring them. And I learned this through being with him. And this is, it was like astonishing to me. It's beautiful. The only people, the only people in the world that see you as, as who you are, as the beautiful, weird, all the things you want to be seen as. The only people who see you like that are that. You have to actually be with someone that high to know that you're there. So they can't even see you. So you're shooting a fire hose of love and beauty and whatever at an aperture that isn't big enough to accept it. And the only thing you can do is get, you got to find somebody with a fucking huge aperture that can shoot that amount of love at you and can suck in what you're offering. And that is the trick. The trick is how big, um, how big can we make our apertures? You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's but I like think- how, but does that, do you feel like it has to do with the other person being as successful, as secure? Like, what is it? You know uh, what I mean? I that person has to have done work on them. I mean, the thing is, is that like, I, 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 I needed to be, he needed to be whatever, what was it? 47 when he met me, he needed to be 40. I needed to be this age right? because when we had our, like, we met during the pandemic and we would have these zoom dates and, and by the way, you're doing in-person dates. First off, stop it. You should be <laughs> only doing a zoom date. Your life is too precious to go park or whatever they get. <laughs> 25 minutes and one drink with you because also you get to see what's in their background. If they've decided to just take the computer by their bed and they have nothing, they have no headboard, you get to find these things out and then cut it off immediately, which is important. Oh my God, that's actually genius. It is. That they is also genius. Don't get your phone number. You give them a burner number. You and and if they and if they got a problem with that. They don't deserve your time. And and I think it's super interesting to look at how panicked we get by by asking these things of other people. Yeah, I'm literally gonna I'm taking notes. I'm taking I, I don't, where do you get a burner phone? This right here is up well, there a with Google, um, a, Google, a, a Google voice number. Yeah, you there, can, yeah, you can get a fake number on your phone. On your oh, phone. Right. Okay. Yeah. And this, the only thing is it'll come up green, but fuck that. They haven't earned the blue yet. This is up here with advice that I heard Margaret Cho once give, uh, where she was like, find out what colors suit you that you look good in, then paint your whole house those colors. It's like the, um, what's the guy that's with, uh, oh God, what's his name? Simon Doonan. He says, once you find the lipstick color you like, figure out how long you want to live and then buy a hundred tubes of it. (laughs) 
I got 45 more tubes, spice it up. We still need more because I'm going to live longer than that. But, um, but yeah, I think that that's, I think that's true. I was actually, I had, uh, I'm, I'm pals with um, Debbie Millman and Roxane Gay. And I was telling them all of my like stories. We were sitting at dinner. These are, these are our, our couples, our, our couple, our double date partners. So me and Steven, this is what I mean by we, we bond with, with, uh, other lesbian couples. Um, <laughs> and so we're, we're sitting there talking and I'm telling them all the things. And they were like, you have to write a show about this, which is how bits started, how my whole idea about bits started. Cause I was like, I do need to write a show. So I've been writing because what I would do is I would go on dates, which I recommend you do. When you go on a date, get your phone and make a voice recording of what happened. Like tell yourself what happened because yeah. you will write that story. You know what I mean? We rewrite those stories to fit up. You want them to fit, like they fit these things and then you try to build it up. Like, yeah, I, there's just so much stuff that people do. I think, well, it also depends on what you're going for. Cause I was never going for like, I can't have sex with someone unless I know. Girl. Yeah. Like I need to have a conversation with you. I need to know what your teeth do after <laughs> I need to know what you smell like when you get nervous. I need so much information the same. before I'm going to get that close to you that like, I'm not, online dating becomes a, it's like mostly weeds. You're like wading through, you know what I mean? And I'm also a person that can't tell if someone's cute or not until after I've had a conversation with them. So. Oh, same too. Also, 100. 100%. Like, they're so hot. I'm like, huh? What? Like they are, I can't, no reference, which is probably why the whole thing with me and Shamar when, which is why I think I had that job for so long is that I flirted on the show with this guy, Shamar Moore in completely inappropriate ways, but I had no idea for, for a few months, how cute he was. How legendarily hot Shamar Moore is. Not show up for me at all. And like, <laughs> and, and so it made him hustle. You know what I mean? Now don't yeah, get started. He wasn't used to it. I think someone, if someone is like turning on another thing about me, oh my God, I'll just like, just here, here, it's embarrassing. And Oh, and, I'm, that's, we're very, I mean, we are both cancers. What's your rising? I'm Leo rising. Oh, I'm a Libra. Mm. I'm Leo. Leo. No, I Libra. like it. Um, but like, that is a very, we have very, this is a very, we have very similar things. We have very similar things. I have like the weirdest thing with people also, like if I love someone and not even romantically, like if I'm like really like fucking love a person, I can't see if like, for instance, they do too much plastic surgery to their faces. <laughs> I literally can't see it. And people will be like, oh my God, how did you not? And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. They look incredible. This is bringing up a, a, a thing. This is bringing up a callback to what you were saying about the purple unicorn and that at the same time. Cause you said that I was like, I'm going to tell you this. So when I was with back, when I was with, uh, Finney, who's now like my best friend who I was with, with for a long time, a long time ago. Um, I remember we didn't, we, he had, he was like, you got to see the show. And we got the, the DVDs of freaks and geeks. And this is when I was coming out and stuff. And I had a hard time watching it because I was both scared. I was terrified and turned on by Busy Phillips. I was <laughs> terrified 
And also I couldn't tell if I wanted to be her or have sex. I couldn't, I was uh, angry and upset and confused. (laughs) And I remember flash forward to whenever that was at Largo, when you first came to do Thrilling Adventure and I was doing it that night, I was the first person there. I'd gotten there early and she walked in and I, and I'm, and I really mean this in the third person because now it's like, oh, that's busy and life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she walks in and I was like, Oh God, oh God. And I turned into um, myself at elementary school where I used to like bond with like the hot girl that I wanted to not <laughs> sure have sex with. And all I would do is try to facilitate her getting with the guy she wanted to be with so I could hear about it. Right. I, <laughs> if I would swim or like, and I, and I just felt so terrible and creepy and like Mr. Tumness about it all. And, and, uh, and I remember you coming in and not knowing where the wine was. And I was like, it's right here. And then always important. Your, always where I was, always what I was looking for. Calm down. And, um, and so it's funny. Cause when you were saying like, I, I sometimes with people, I can't tell, I talk to my therapist about this a lot. Like, how do you admire, how do you admire, how do you have a crush on someone? How do you look up to someone and still feel your own power? How do you do that? How do you, cause right. I, was, I give my, I, I decide that it becomes hierarchical. Thank you. Fucking capitalistic patriarchy bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I decide it becomes like it's, well, someone has to win and, and in order it's show of love means you win. You know what I mean? A show of love means they have, they have the stuff and I don't. And so I will support instead of just be my own other bright, different version of I'm seeing in my mind right now, different colors of my little ponies with little gems, like be my, oh my own, God, yes. like shooting gem. And we're all together, you know, flapping our Pegasus wings in the sky. Yes. One, one, one little pony. It's all the, I'm thinking now all the women, all the colors, they're all they're shooting, you know, but I think that's true also in relationship. Like, how do you be like fucking you're I'm into you and I'm all about it. And I'm so into your expansion, whatever. And you know, also I'm fucking into me. And I knew that actually when I, when I met my beloved, I remember we were having a text exchange before, like we talked, which also I think they get like max three or four texts because people can trick you in texts max three or four before you have to take the leap unless they have, which they should and say, I would like to put a a voice to the face and have like a minute phone call. Mm -hmm. And then after a phone call, like get it, like get it over with. Um, but we were talking and he said, he said, what do you, what do you think all this online dating is? It's like terrifying. Right. And I remember writing him. And when I was done writing the text, I'm feeling like it doesn't even matter what happens with this. I just know that something, something is Kirsten has graduated into something she wanted to be. Cause I said to him, I resigned. I said, I, I, I'm rare. So I'm pretty resigned that it's going to be rare for me to find somebody. But I believe that for me, for me, the pursuit of primary partnership is, is a sign of health. So I pursue it, uh, but I'm a really good girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, partner to myself. So I'm not going to be with anybody unless they can improve upon the really great life I already have. And I meant it. That wasn't like lip service. That yes. was, I mean that. Like, because women, we do better anyway by ourselves. And like, 100%. I can be perfectly happy 
I can have all of the orgasms with just me on the bed with the cats, not using the cats, but it, just the, nearby. We get it. I understand. <laughs> I personally kick them off, but <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something Victorian about it, man. <laughs> I think this is like, this is really, yeah, it is really sort of, but here's the thing that I would say too, because we, as you said, you're like, your pivot has been a really slow burn pivot turn. Um, I would say for a person who has had a great deal of trauma in their life and specifically like sexual trauma to even just hear, I mean, I'm talking personally for myself, also our listeners and, you know, whatever, like to hear that you at this moment in your life are like, I did it. Like I broke through and I have the partner that I want and I love myself in the way that I, I mean, I don't know if if there was a point at which you were like, I'm never going to love myself in that way, but I can imagine that there might've been. Yeah. It flares up, you know, those things flare up, of course. And it's not, it's not at all it's it's something it is like um it's like a daily practice you know like especially when you've had sexual trauma this idea that like you're just going to wake up one day and like i just you know first thing in the morning i jump on my washing machine and i have an accidental orgasm and then i you know like <laughs> that's not it and it's always going to be there's going to be moments where you're going to have to where i and everybody has to interface with that part of us that's like bitch, don't you dare forget about that. You know what I mean? Like, and it's going to bring it all up, but the practice of it, like, I am very proud that I can walk around as me and tell all those other parts of me, look, look how good I'm getting at taking care of you. And I got, I'm going to try to make sure that when, when like, it's really important to me, like the thing I look up to, like is you know, my best friend left the planet. One of my best friends left the planet when he was of AIDS, when right before the AIDS cocktail came out. So this is like late nineties and, and he wanted to be a pop star and he was amazing. And I make it a point to like, make sure that he can interface with me on the daily Mm. and be like that age of him gets to interface with someone that he's still happy to hang out with, you know, as me now. And I want, you know, 15 year old me to be able to look at me and be like, I, she's cool. Like that's very valuable to me because I trust her more than I trust almost anybody. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it, and it keeps me, it keeps me able to stay earnest and stay open and not shut down in those ways. I think that can happen that we get told is supposed to happen as we get older Yeah, yeah. to stop or get regurgitate or whatever the fuck it is that like, that's not, that's, that doesn't happen. There, the sheer fact, as far as I'm concerned, the sheer fact that you want something. So I don't care how old you are. I don't care what's happened to you. The sheer fact that you want something is proof that you should have it. Now it might not be the proper nouns of what you think that thing is, but the energy of it, the essence of it, you have the right to have it daily. And you know, you're supposed to, because you wouldn't want it if you weren't supposed to. You know what I mean? Mm. So like, to me, the whole point of life is like, figure out what it is that you're like, I have to do this. And then how do you recreate that 
especially those of us that have sexual trauma, because that, that is the way to, to take back and show everybody up is to like have a delicious life where you're just too busy enjoying yourself to make the, to do, I'm too busy alchemizing the shit that happened to me. Like I'm I'm trying to make something that I like with the stuff that I don't like. It makes right. it keeps me very occupied, but it's really good, solid, worthy work that I think keeps you based in the community and and happy, you know. Kirsten Vangsness, so I love that I, you gave us your pivot. You shared a lot of really intimate things with us, and you also gave us amazing advice. A couple pieces of amazing advice, dating we can advice. Take, take to the back, bank. I'll go back and listen to it because sometimes I go into a, a fugues. <laughs> I can't remember. Look, and I hope I did. I might, if you saw my computer, it's covered in um, in post-its. Uh, I, I have to remind myself. See, look. See, breathe. I my peers. So in case I got scared. <sighs> Isn't that nice? I, that's I such a great, that. I love that. I love that. And you, I don't I mean, have my, it's so funny. I moved it. This is in my new apartment and I don't have my stuff up yet that I like normally look at when I do the podcast. And I, cause I have, I have things like that too. I got to put them up. You, you, you just reminded me. Very Kirsten, nice I have behind my computer check stubs from Joan Rivers with little notes on, on them from her. Because that always reminds me that like I can do something for someone who, you know, and it's kind of uh, a bigger deal than I ever imagined. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I have my Tori Amos candle and I'm ready. Ah, to go. Ah. I love her. Tori, we all love Tori. I'm seeing you guys. I'm seeing Tori uh, this week. <gasps> oh, Are you really? God. Yeah, I'm New York. S- seeing her at the end of July. It's the Greek, right? So exciting. Oh, She's the best. Um, okay. All right. We should let you go. We are going to let you go. So much of your time. Oh, yeah, thank you. Really have. Kirsten, thank you so much for being here with us. Pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> And we'll see you around town. We'll see you in LA, maybe at Largo. I know. I was so, I will I was also bummed that you weren't in Thrilling Adventure Hour this I, this time. I had, I had tickets to go see the Indigo Girls. And, and <gasps> well, that makes sense. Also great. I know. I had to go. Had to Truly, go. you did. You did. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to see you guys. I'm sorry I missed it. You know what? Next time. Next time. It was so good to see you. And so great to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Oh my God. Thanks, thanks for, for coming. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye. We got the kitty smalls. We got uh-uh. them their new food. Do they love it? They do love it. <laughs> Honestly, our cat food has kind of just been the same forever. Yeah. And I did feel like it's time for cat food to move into the now, into the present. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like so thrilled when smalls showed up at the house yeah. and we tried it out. Yeah. Because... Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients that you would just find in your fridge. It's delivered right to your door. It was started back in 2017 by a couple of guys home cooking cat food in small batches for their friends, which I'm (laughs) obsessed with. That origin story I am obsessed (laughs) with. Um, And at this point, like, you're maybe like, why can't I just feed my cat the kibble? Like, you can, 
But the truth is, your little kitty descended from, you know, ferocious desert big cats who hunted <laughs> live prey. And your cat isn't different and they need fresh protein, packed protein. Yeah. And it'd be nice if it wasn't all smelly and gross. Yes. <laughs> and other cat food brands know this, but they choose to put their wallets first. They fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts and artificial flavoring and preservatives with names that I can't pronounce. And it's <laughs> gross. And that's why it stinks. But after making the switch to smalls, 78% of cat owners reported that their cats had shinier and softer fur. And 90% reported overall health improvements. That's a big deal. The team at Smalls is so confident that your cat's going to love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they're going to refund you if your cat doesn't like the food. I'm telling you guys, Gildo and Rosie love Smalls. Remember, <laughs> high-quality ingredients means a healthier and happier life for your kitty. So head to smalls.com best and use promo code BEST at the checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you're going to find. But you have to use our code BEST for 50% off your first order. One last time, it's promo code BEST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping at smalls.com slash best. Oh, ZocDoc, we love you, ZocDoc. I mean, we really do. Guys, have we convinced you yet? I, if you, we haven't convinced you yet, I don't know what else we could say. ZocDoc is just, you just need it. You need it. Listen, maybe you're like, I actually, this just happened to a friend of mine. They were like, I have this thing on my skin. I don't know who to go to. Do you have a good dermatologist? Blah, 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 blah. I'm in this city. And I'm like, dude, ZocDoc it. Download that dude. app. Download the ZocDoc app because ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, and also treat almost every condition under the sun with specialties. It's how I found my beloved sinus doctor yeah. in New York when I moved there. Yeah. Um, when I moved to LA, I had to get a whole new ever, a whole new set of doctors, and I got them all from ZocDoc because, because that's like, where I found and, all my doctors in New yes, York. But it's like it is actually they make it so difficult, right? Like like without ZocDoc, it's so difficult. You have to like you Google and then you research and then you're like, how do I know if this person's good? How do I know if they take my insurance? I'm gonna have to call and then you call and they're like, no one answers and then they'll call you back and then you're waiting for a call back and then at that point you're like, I'm dying. You Forget know what I mean? It. Like yeah, you need it to be quick and efficient. You need to know and you need to get in to see someone. You don't want to wait to find out. Oh, actually we're only out of pocket and it's a $5,000 like minimum, whatever it is. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. One of my favorite features of ZocDoc, besides being able to find a doctor that's available for you to see and make sure they take your insurance and read reviews, is that you can also fill out all the paperwork that you have to 
fill out right on ZocDoc. And so it's done. So you don't have to fill out 80,000 forms when you go into the doctor. And it retains your information to fill out the next forms. Which is, honestly, that is the win, I have to say. Yeah. There's... With ZocDoc, no alarms, no surprises. There are thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can browse doctor profiles. You can upload and verify your insurance information. You get the care you need when you need it, and you start feeling better, more sure. Maybe you need a second opinion. Maybe you have a doctor you love. And then, you know, you've heard us talk about second and third opinions. Maybe you have a doctor you love, and you get like a thing that you're like, I'm not sure about that. This is where ZocDoc comes in clutch because then you're finding where you're getting your second opinion or your third opinion. And you know, because it's patient reviewed and the doctor takes your insurance and this is a person that comes highly recommended that you can trust what is being said to you. Anyway, guys, we love it so much. We really do. I can't recommend it enough. So go to ZocDoc.com slash doing her best and download the ZocDoc app for free and then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash doing her best. ZocDoc.com slash doing her best. Um, I just, I really appreciate her candor. I really appreciate her. She's just, I really like her a lot. I really like like her her too. She's so fun and she's so kind. And she's just one of those people that I've known on social media forever. So I'm always so happy to like meet someone and confirm that they are indeed great. And I knew that she was great from Thrilling Adventure Hour and the few times that we've been able to like, you know, do that show together on stage. But also like, Come here. I know. It is fun, though, for her to look out and bark at people. <laughs> yeah, of course. Passing through. Um, anyway, I really appreciate her candor and her honesty and her openness with everything, like her experiences yeah. and what she's been through. And, you know, we didn't get to this, but I, like, genuinely wanted to say, like, I would love to read her book. Yeah. I, I like I'm I like really feel like she's got a book in her that needs to come out. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I so Kirsten, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, I just want you to know we're ready for the book. <laughs> Get typing. Get on it. And also Casey'll ghostwrite it for you if you need it. <laughs> oh Someone my gosh. just took me for Jessica Simpson uh recently. Really? It was so strange. Yeah, no, not like um, actually, not actually. Yeah. But sort of like, uh, almost like theoretically. Like they theoretically mistook me for Jessica Simpson because he was like, oh, I'm such a huge fan. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, that's so sweet. And he's like, I loved your book. And I'm like, thank you so much. And he's like, my friend was your ghostwriter. And I was like, well, no, he wasn't because <laughs> I don't have, I didn't have a ghostwriter. I wrote my own book. Right. And he was like, oh, wait, what? No, you're, wait, oh, no. I'm thinking of, who's the girl, who's the one? And then he like made me help him remember whose book his friend Ghost wrote. 
Yes. You know? Her, well, whoever helped her with that book, it was great. Well, it was this guy's friend. Yeah. Yeah. Who was eating lunch across from me. (laughs) And he was like, your book was great too. You didn't have any help. And I was like, no. And also, stop being rude. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) That's so funny. People are so weird. Okay. Tiny beret. Okay. So here's the story. You guys know I have, um, like, one of my close friends is going through treatment for a... We haven't talked too much about it. Uh, we I don't... Because she doesn't really want to talk. Like, and I'm just... Sure. But one of my friends is really sick. And... Um, and I fucking love her so much. And she's, like, the best. Yeah. The fucking best. And... I mean, Gina with this toy in the background, but whatever. We'll just let her, we'll, we'll let her be. She's having a moment. Um, and our other friend, Chrissy B. Chrissy, Christine, friend of the pod. You can follow <laughs> her on Instagram, Chrissy B. Chrissy. The cutest, has the best fashion. Um, the three of us have been really, really good friends since high school. And went on that Europe trip together that I'm writing the movie someday. Someday. <laughs> someday is happening. It's happening soon. This is Good. the moment. I'm doing it now. Anyway, I've like started, you know, I've like, I need to finish the outline and then I'll start writing it. But um, that's like not scabbing, right? If you're just like writing a spec script. No, it's not. You can I'm answer my own question. Yeah, you can write it. Okay. Yeah. You're not, you're not being paid to write something. Also, I'm not in the fucking writer's guild because I right. never met the point system or whatever. Right, right. I'm like close. Right. Okay. Anyway. One of the reasons why I was back in New York was that I could go visit my friend and we had coordinated because Christine was also going to come from Arizona and so we could all be there together, you know, and hang out. And so... Flashback, uh, last month, Christine, who posts the cutest outfits, and she puts together things from, like, Target and, like, whatever. She's, like, just very, she's just cute and fashionable and yeah, the best. And she had posted an outfit of herself wearing this, like, teeny tiny beret. And I was, like, obsessed with it. I'm, like, I need that beret. What the fuck is that beret? I'm obsessed. What is it? And she was, like, oh, I got it. Many years ago at this place in Paris when Gerber and I were there and I know it's so cute. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to need one, I think. But then that was like kind of the exchange. Do you know what I mean? Like that was it. Yeah. So then we're hanging out with my friend who's like, (laughs) you know, just in bed, like basically in bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I do want to talk about it, you know, but I also want to be very respectful of her of course. experience, of course. Yeah, you know, but it's like so wild to me that um, all the things that I've ever seen, like, don't nail it. I know. Because it's so much weirder and funnier and more horrifying and better and... More full of love, yeah, than could ever be captured in a in a 
movie or on a yeah. TV show. I'm sorry. It just, you know. Yeah. No, you're so, right. So we're just together like this full day, the three of us like in bed doing crafts, sometimes sleeping, sometimes crying, sometimes laughing a lot. And at one point, there was sort of a lull. <laughs> well, actually, I got annoyed about something. I got like really annoyed about a text I got. And I was like so fucking angry about the text. And my friend was like, well, like just what, like explain what, like what can you do about it? You know, like let's yeah. talk it through. And then I just, in that real time like moment was like, I'm mad that you're sick. Like, I'm not mad at this person that can't do a thing that I asked them to do. Like, I'm fucking pissed about this. Like, this sucks. And this fucking sucks. And I want to be mad at someone. So I'm just going to take it out on this other person. But fuck, I can't do that, can I? And she's like, you really can't. You really can't (laughs) do that. But I'm glad we talked it out. (laughs) Like, and I love you. You're really weird. (laughs) So anyway, she's like, Chrissy, do you think it's time to give Busy her birthday present? And I was like, you guys did not get me a fucking birthday present. And Chrissy's like, I did. Wait, but I didn't wrap it. I was like, please don't wrap it. Wrapping is such a monumental waste of paper and environmental disaster. And like, we can't, wrapping paper, like, I don't know what the future is. Like, just take this scarf that I brought and wrap it, whatever it is, just wrap (laughs) it in this scarf and whatever. And Christine's like, no, I have a better idea. Close your eyes. So then my eyes were closed. She's like, put your hands over your eyes. Okay. And then I was like, all of a sudden I had that thing, like, I felt like I was on fear factor and I was terrified of like, what the fuck are you guys about to do to me? You know what I mean? She's like, put your hands out. So I put my hands out and I was like, guys, I really don't like this. This feels very scary to me. Are you going to put a box? What's happening? And then I felt very gently this thing land on my head, (laughs) aka mole chapeau. (laughs) (laughs) And I opened my eyes and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Is it? Is it? <gasps> you got me my own tiny beret? And Christine <laughs> co- and Kate started laughing so hard. And they're like, no. We got you the only tiny beret. It's Christine's. Aww. And I guess they had decided to get me one for my birthday. But when Chrissy reached out to the, like, place in Paris years ago that she, they don't have them. They don't make them anymore. They're done. Then she was like looking on Etsy and then she was looking like, and they couldn't find him. Okay. Like in the same, I mean, it's a really beautiful. Yes. This little tiny chic chic chapeau. Yeah. Wait, chapeau is hat. Wait, what's head? Wait, is chapeau head? Wait, you guys. I don't French know. French 101 is escaping me. I don't know shit about French, which is ironic because... Well, Christine and I met in French. French that's class. That's right. Um, is it... I don't... La tête? Oh, yeah. La tête is head. Chapeau is hat. Okay. So, le petit chateau. No, chapeau. <laughs> chapeau. Wait, anyway, guys, don't fucking come for me with my French. I literally <laughs> took it in high school for three years. Have not uttered a word since getting this little chapeau on my tete. Yeah, because tete-a-tete, 
right? Yeah. Head to head. Anyway, yeah. you guys. Okay. Now what I think we have here, guys, is a situation that it's the sisterhood of the traveling tiny beret. Okay. Yes. And this is like the new generation of it because I feel like it's changed everything. I feel <laughs> like as soon as they put it on my head, I was like, I had a new lease on everything. Granted, I didn't remember that I needed a plane ticket. Well, but it you know, only, you know it, a tiny break can only do, do so, so much. much. And it was That's doing right. important work that didn't include. 100%. It did remind me a little bit of like when I worked in the nursing home, there was a man who was, I, I'm not even kidding. I think it was 105 years old or something. And he just um, would sit in his wheelchair and, like, sort of look out the window, but I don't even think he was really, like, he just wasn't there. He wasn't really. Um, and one day, I was looking for something in his closet, and way up high in his closet, I found this, like, jaunty beret. Oh, and on. I just took it down and, like, put it on him. And he started, like, snapping his fingers and dancing in his wheelchair. And he just, like, it just changed his day. Like, it just brought him to life in a way that I had never seen that man before. And that's what your tiny beret reminded me of a little bit. It's like well, a Frosty the fucking snowman situation. It's a, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be like super hyperbolic about it, but I do think <laughs> there's magic involved. Okay. Yes. And, <laughs> and I do like, I recently, AKA last night, I had a fucking rough la- night last night, but whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, But last night realized that, like, this beret will travel. It will go (laughs) to someone else. It will. It just will. I know it. I know it will. Like, I'm ready for it, but it's not, but it's mine still. Like, I still need it. Yeah. But there will be a moment, and I will know the moment when it's time to move on. The beret will move on, and it will go to someone else who is deserving of slash, it's not even deserving of, like, needs Needs the beret's energy. The tiny beret. And I have to tell you, yesterday morning I was talking to Michelle on the phone and um, we were catching up because she was driving. uh, She had, like, kind of a long drive. And, um, And she wildly did not have the kids with her. The many, many baby children that she (laughs) (laughs) takes care of now. Yeah. That she birthed. Um, And we were like, we were talking about a bunch of stuff and then I like had told her, I told her a bit about the tiny beret. And she was like, I'm going to need to see a picture of this. Like you have to send me a picture. We were talking, talking. And then she's like, okay, I'm pulling in. I love you so much. Let's talk this week if we can. Blah, 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 blah. Schedules. You know, like when you are with, like when you have friends who like, they're in the moment and they're, they're se- the season in their life of like such small baby children that, and chaos that like you have to schedule yes. the times in yes. which, in which you're going to catch up. So we're going over that. Okay. I'm like, I'm going to send you as soon as we hang up, I'm sending you the picture. I sent her a picture. Three minutes later, the phone rings. It's <laughs> Michelle again. She's like, I'm so sorry. I just had to call you back. 
I don't know if it's the tiny beret. What the fuck is happening? You look radiant like a new person. And I was like, it's the fucking tiny beret, Michelle. And she's like, well, I love it. I love it so much. And it's perfect. And I love it. And I love you. And I was like, thank you. She's like, I had to call you. It wasn't, I couldn't text you. I needed you to know that I like recognize the difference in your soul from the tiny beret. I was like, that's a real friend, guys. Wow. A real fucking friend. (laughs) Oh, my god. So anyway, that's kind of the story of the sisterhood of the tiny beret. I love it. It's happening. And guys, I don't know who's getting it next, and I don't know when, but it's not yet. Just know. It'll just reveal itself. Yeah. It will reveal itself in due time. It might be Casey. It might not be. (laughs) Might be my other friend, our third in the group. Yeah. Who knows? Might be Emily Beebe. We don't know. We don't know. Would Emily Beebe wear it for magic? Or do you think she would be like... So hard to know. But the tiny beret is something that I think none of us can deny. Yeah. I also don't think it needs to be a woman. I don't think it needs to be... I think it can be... Just a person who needs the tiny beret. I don't know yeah. who it is. We don't know. We don't know. But what's probably the moment, like probably not Mark, but <laughs> you don't know. But we don't know. The moment will reveal itself. I know I could spot the magic in the tiny beret because I immediately Googled to see. I knew that it was like a one-of-a-kind item because I immediately Googled to see if anyone was selling like a small beret and I couldn't find it anywhere. So this is what I'm saying. This is a magical, yeah. we, are, we are in the book right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. We're in the book. Yeah. And so we're in this chapter where I have the tiny beret and I'm so excited about the possibility for the next bits of this chapter. Right. To which I find myself at the inevitable point when I don't need the tiny beret anymore. <laughs> Because I do feel like I'm on the precipice of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the tiny beret is here to usher me into this new place of being where I don't need it. But, and it and it will move along to the next person yeah. who does. And actually, Christine, I will say without, you know, because this is, it's, it's, this isn't, you know, this isn't a podcast where we tell all of our friends shit. Yeah. <laughs> we tell our own shit. Yeah, But like, I will say that I do feel like Christine recently came out of a period of time in her life that like was transformative for her. And now we're, now she's post beret. She's post tiny beret. That's so good. That's great. I love that. I love that. And I love that the berets out there and making the rounds and we'll see, maybe it'll be a Christmas special. I mean, she's mine right now. That makes me so happy. Um, Wait, do you have a new tattoo on your arm? Well, I have a new temporary tattoo, and it's Jen Tullock's face. 
Oh, okay. Oh, you did it with the te- the temporary tattoo printer. No, no, no. Um, this was just at her. It was like a thing at her birthday party. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I was like, like, oh my gosh. It's a. Can you imagine if I had tattooed a giant thing of Jen's face on my arm? That would be. And also on this arm, it says Jen fucking Tullock, <laughs> which is hilarious. Like they had. But also, why are we not making temporary tattoos all the time? Yeah, you know, I there is a company that has been doing temporary tattoos, like bespoke temporary tattoos, and um, I've used them on TV shows uh, in I the like, past. I think this is so funny and yeah, fun. It's so and fun. Like, what a rad thing for a birthday party! I so many times I've gotten these people to come in and do like a tattoo, like a joke tattoo on someone or whatever to like do a bit or whatever, but they. Now there's so much like temporary tattoo technology that I don't think you need like a special artist to come in and and do it. You can just like use a temporary tattoo printer or whatever. What was the temporary tattoo printer company that was? I know well, that it's you? so weird that I just saw that. Yeah, like, it, but I don't know. It's like a it's it's not from here, and they don't sell they don't internationally sell it yet. We anyway. talked about it last week. No, but then at Jen's. 40th birthday, um, her very sweet friend had made all of these temporary tattoos. And he's like, I printed them out at Kinko's. And I was like, well, okay. Oh. It's like I bought, I got the paper and then I just took it to Kinko's. I was like, wow, oh, amazing. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I want to, I want to figure out how to do that because you know what I, I've shown you before. Like I print out water slide decals all the time for my fingernails so, like, sometimes I make little decals of, like, prints or whatever for my fingernails, but I've never done a tattoo for my skin. Wait, what's water slide? What are you talking about? What's it's that mean? like um, these what's little decals. It's like these little decals that you print on special paper, and then you print uh-huh. it in your printer, and, like, you, you know, for my fingernails, like, I size it way down so it's small, and then you cut them out, and you put them in water, and the backing slides off, and then you have, like, a little transparent decal that you can, like, apply over your nail polish, and then cover with your top coat, and then you have, like, Prince nails, or I've done, like, one time I did one that looked like diamonds, like I actually printed out diamonds. Or, oh, that's so cute. Yeah. like Well, I have those, I have transfers for pottery. Yeah, similar. I just used, similar. I actually, yeah. just in my last firing, I did it. Oh, and, okay, finally, before, yes. what are you doing your best at this week? Which obviously, mine is <laughs> wearing a tiny beret. What I'm doing my best at is, yeah. um, okay, you know that, a couple weeks ago, I told you about how I ripped the door off of the off of the bathroom because yeah. it was rotted. Mm-hmm. We thought we fixed that. We thought it was like a leak in the small bathroom. And then, you know, you I told you that we'd been saving up money to try to replace the floors, but we're going to do it ourselves. And before we spent all the money, I ordered like one box of the flooring product to make sure that we really liked it. Mm-hmm. And so... We do. We liked it. And so we decided, like, well, let's go ahead and replace the bathroom floor in that small bathroom where I ripped the door off because it'll just be, like, a fresh start. Um, And 
So then we were like, okay, and then we might as well swap out the toilet because, like, a new toilet's like, $100, and then let's get, like, an inexpensive vanity. So basically, we're giving, like, this little bathroom, like, a full makeover. It really needs it. It's, like, hasn't been touched for a really long time, and it was kind of brutal. And it's, you know, bathrooms can be, like, small and cute, or they can be big and brutal, but, like, a small, brutal, not good bathroom is not good, you know? So um, we started pulling up the tile on the floor and it turned out that the leak in the shower probably wasn't fixed. And so we were like, oh, shoot, like, what are, you know, what's going to happen here? Like, let's try to get to the bottom of this. We continued to pull up the floor and then we saw that the floor all around the toilet was 100% rotted, like for a year. Like we could have lost one of our sons in a, in a tragic Stop toilet, Stop it. tragic toilet Stop collapse it. accident. I mean, luckily we live in a ranch and so it's not like they were going to fall through many levels of the house or whatever. They just would have hit the ground like a foot later. But, um... So anyway, just cut to we have like gutted an entire bathroom. And so now we're just trying to figure out how to put it back together ourselves, like watching a lot of YouTube videos and stuff, because we don't really have the budget just to have someone come in and redo the bathroom. Um, And it's fine. Like, I'm not opposed to hard work, but it's literally just been everything that could be wrong is wrong. Like, the it's the wrong size pipes for the sink and the wrong valves and the valves are welded open and you can't close them. And so it's just like literally have run back and forth to Lowe's on like every day, the whole holiday weekend, just running back and forth to Lowe's, like getting a pipe cutter and then getting like all these plumbing, like we're doing plumbing, you know, and we're doing, <laughs> but it's going to come out nice. It's going to take us a minute. Um, and, you know, but we're just, we're just doing our best. Like we just want to. You're doing your best at home improvement. Yeah, we're just we're just trying and it's going to be like a budget job, but I think it's going to be cute and um huge shout out to my husband because like he really I'm going to say half the time he's like swearing under his breath, which is like very typical of like I think any person doing um a home improvement. That shit like really stresses me out when I just that vibe of like that someone's unhappy and they're like cursing under their breath or whatever, like that just really really is like, it's hard for me to manage. Like, I just want to do something to fix it. Um, So that's not a great feeling for me. Um, But people are allowed to swear under their breath when they're doing something that's fucking annoying and, like, I just have to deal with it. But I will say that, like, my husband was, half the time he was swearing under his breath, but the half the time he was, like, laughing and cheerful and, like, it was just really sweet. And then he was like, uh, I started weirdly watching Sex in the City because, like, I the never watched. I never like watched that? it. No, oh, the I, original. I've never watched an episode Come of on. Sex in the City. Come on, not, not a one. That first episode is so fucking bad. <laughs> I'm sorry if you started with that one. I started with episode one, and I've just been watching it. And I'll tell you why. My mom, my super religious Disney Channel loving mom. Uh, watched Sex in the City. She was like into it. 
which is so funny. And uh, she would try to tell me about it once in a while and then be like, oh, I know you don't watch it. You never watched it. And like, I like Sarah Jessica Parker. I, you know, and it's been so fun. I saw my friend Tommy Crudup was in one scene. Billy Crudup's brother, also a very handsome actor, but also like a television producer who I worked with at the Rosie O'Donnell show. I've seen like so many, it's been really fun. But anyway, like a couple times I tried to help my husband and he was like, you just go watch Sex in the City and like, tell me what's happening. So I was just, like, relaying reports to him of, like, what was going on with the ladies, who they were dating, who they were breaking up with. And, um, yeah, so, and I guess in a way that was also me doing my best because sometimes it's just good to hear someone when they're like, this is a small bathroom, get out of here. (laughs) Like, you're making it worse. Let me do this. Yeah, just let me do this. And, like, your job can be— Your job can be telling me about the TV show that you're watching. That's really funny, though, actually. (laughs) But anyway, Um, um, I'll keep everyone posted on how it's going. With Sex in the City or with with the renovation? I think everyone knows how Sex in the City went. I think I'm the only person left on Earth that didn't watch it. I Um, don't know. We don't know. I don't know know that. I don't know. um, I actually don't. But with the bathroom, I just feel like... You know, we got stressed out a couple times, but I was like, well, it, we can't fuck it up more than it's already fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, worse comes to worse. Like, the bathroom's out of commission for forever, you know? But it'll be fine. Something will happen. We'll get or, it together. Or, like, until you... Yeah. Or until yeah. the moment comes where it gets fixed. Yeah. So, anyway, that's what I... That's what we spent the July. Like our air July. conditioning from last year. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> which apparently is getting fixed this week in New York, which is exciting. Oh, great. great. Our air conditioning on the bottom two floors yes. went kaput last year. And we were like, this is an exorbitant amount expense that right. we're just going to hold off on. Right. <laughs> it's the sleeping cabins. The sleeping <laughs> areas are fine. Oh, my gosh. Really? I don't know. That's my biggest thing. I don't want to be yeah. hot while I sleep. Yeah. Well. Um, but the air conditioning is getting fixed now. So that's great. Good. What um, are you doing your best at? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I haven't done my best at a lot of things this week. I've been bad at some things. Like, okay. like regressive, asshole shitty, pre-good therapy me. Okay. I'm just, I just have to be honest. Yeah. But last night I had a moment where I was like, I have a choice to make in this moment. And I can do one thing and I can do the other. And also, what the fuck? Who cares? I'll just, uh, like, I'm going to just path of least resistance I'm going to just truly go with the flow and choose an opposite path than I would have chosen. I'm going to George Costanza this moment. (laughs) And I did. And it was like not ideal for me. Yeah. But also it was fucking fine. Yeah. You know? And like, I was like, okay, well, that's now we know. It's fine. Like, it doesn't always have to be. Like, remember years ago when I was, like, really str- <laughs> struggling with, like, food stuff? 
Yeah. And someone said to me this thing that was like so fucking wild, which was that like not every meal has to be like the best meal you've ever had. And was I was like, me? what? What? Was it did, you? Did I say it? Well, I yeah. always tell people you'll eat again. I think it was. And I think it was when we were doing Busy Tonight. Yeah. Guys, so the sageness of Casey <laughs> carries back to her, to herself. <laughs> it is actually you. I remember now. But you're like, not every meal has to be the greatest meal of your life. Like you can, it doesn't just eat a meal, Busy. Just eat some food. Just eat, let's get you some protein. Let's get you a thing that will be whatever. Yeah. And it did really change because I realized that because of, for many reasons, a lot of different factors, I was putting so much on every fucking meal that I would have. Yeah. And then you said that and I was like, oh, right. Like, that's actually true. I don't need it. It doesn't have to change my fucking life. What, what the? Okay. So... A little bit last night, there was this this whole thing. And like, I was just like, no one night is going to be like the night of my life. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so what? So like, okay, I got to like change, abruptly change what I thought it was going to be to being something else. And that's okay. I just, that's fine. That's not ideal. It's not, yeah. that's kind of a bummer. In many ways, but like, you know what? Okay. And I truly did feel like that. Once I like let it go, I was like, okay, it's fine. It is what it is. It's fine. I'm here. This is great. I'm going to go do this other thing now. I didn't think I was going to be doing this other thing, but here I am and now I'm doing it. Yeah. There were multiple different paths that could have led to different outcomes. Those didn't happen. It's fine. Here's the trick. I didn't let it go today. Like today I circled back and was like, that sucked. Yeah. But now, no, it doesn't sound like I'm like talking in code or do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like in the moment, you just did the most expedient thing, but like, you're it wasn't able to, truly what I wanted to do, right. but I was like, again, it's like not every meal has to be like the best meal of your life. Not every night has to be the night. Sometimes right. you can just call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you have to. Yeah. And honestly, like that makes me so proud of you because like I think that that feeling that you get when like in your like maybe in your stomach or like I get the, this feeling in my head when I'm like emotionally struggling against something mm. like it feels so bad it feels like poison basically to me that's what it feels like it feels like sickening um when I'm like very frustrated by something that I'm 100% sure should be one way and it's not going that way. Yes. And it just it just feels like poison. That's right. I and, 100%. Yes. And it, like you can feel it. You can feel it like rising up in you, you know? And and I just feel like sometimes we get so accustomed to feeling that, to having that like in our system, like this whatever this poison in our system that 
it just gets easier and easier to feel that way. And then when you do let it go and that like it just dissipates, it's such a an amazing feeling. Like it's instant. It's just such an instant burden off your shoulders, but it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not the mm-hmm. easiest thing to just say like, "Oh, I don't have to I don't have to fight it this way," you know? Like it's hard actually. And especially when, because a lot of the times when you're, like, letting something go, it's because someone else won't let something go. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, you're just like, well, if you're not letting it go, I'm not letting it go. But then you just get so used to being, like, marinated in this fucking, like, psychological poison. And it's not, it doesn't feel great. It It doesn't feel great. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like, it ain't worth it, guys. Not fucking worth it. Yeah. So anyway, I guess I'm doing my best at that. And um, well, I'm proud of you. You do. Can I point out one thing that I hope you're not embarrassed by? But it does look like you have a little bit of like a left side of your nose sunburn only. No, I think it's just the lighting because I was drinking wine. (laughs) But I so I think my entire nose is pink. Oh, okay. I thought you but got like a I driving. Think the lighting is not showing it on the right. Okay. I think if I, I think if I, I think if I turn to the shadow. <laughs> I think if maybe, I turn, maybe. I thought you got like a driving sunburn a little bit I just didn't. on your nose. No, and honey, I wear so much sunscreen when I drive every day. I do My too, nose only but... turns red from activating foods and beverages. <laughs> Oh, man. I know. I know. I hear you. You know I understand I that. You know I'm sympathetic <gasps> to that. Well, you cursed me with it, so yeah, you should be. All right. Well, and on oh that note, guys, gosh. we love you so much, and uh, we'll, we'll talk, talk to you next to you week. soon. Be good. Be good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, no.